0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple for fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy pork beverages.
2: East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030.
3: Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: The moment you've all been waiting for. Welcome to Real Talk. For real Mississippians. Informed, engaging, and always brutally honest. Welcome to the JT Show with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at Supertalk.fm. And now, here's Gerard Gibbert.
4: morning, everyone, and welcome to the JT Show. Super Talk Mississippi, Gerard and Rhino, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. Morning, Rhino. Howdy, howdy. Please tell everybody what day this would be.
3: Oh, that would be Friday Eve.
4: Indeed. And uh, in this case... The second best day of the work week. (laughs) (laughs) In this case, uh, as we approach a uh, protracted weekend as they say, with Memorial Day coming up. Don't forget, folks, Memorial Day, that day where we recognize those in our armed forces who made the ultimate sacrifice in order to preserve the freedoms we enjoy here in uh, this great country. And let's, let's keep that going, uh, that freedom deal it is. Uh, man, every day it just seems like They are being chipped away at, and it is quite concerning, but we're going to keep on talking about it and doing our little part here uh, to focus on just how valuable those freedoms are and, and how we've just got to make sure our voice is heard and do everything we can to keep it that way. It is unique. On the planet, it is what made this country the great one that it is, and I I dismiss the idea promoted by so many so many on the left that this country is inherently evil and wicked and and uh, just a bad place. I do not accept that whatsoever, and we're going to keep continue to voice our. Opposition to that line of thinking and uh, counter it with so many of the positive aspects of our country. That's starting with freedom and opportunity. Now, <laughs> there is this professor, Kate Slater. We've talked a lot on the program about this nonsense of Uh, what what really, in my view, is nonsense about the systemic racism that many believe, certainly on the left, has just gripped our country and is foundational to our country, not freedom and liberty and justice for all and all of those tenets that are espoused in our founding documents and conceived of by our founders in an effort to escape true oppression. No, not at all. So this assistant dean that is, uh, uh, what's her name here, Slater, I think. Uh, I just had it a second ago. Apologize for that. Anyhow, this assistant dean at Brandeis University, Kate Slater, she is a white person. She declares that she hates whiteness, and she says, yes, I'm quoting here, yes, all white people are racist and that all white people have been conditioned in a society where one's racial identity determines life experiences, outcomes, and whiteness is in the norm and the default. That includes me, exclamation point. That was an all caps Instagram post from Slater. over the weekend, she serves as an assistant dean of student affairs. She added in Saturday's post that while she doesn't, quote, hate white people, unquote, she does hate, quote, whiteness. Now, I did a little research on Brandeis University. and (laughs) It's located, by the way, in Waltham, Massachusetts, And if you just want to know a little bit about the amount of effort and money and assets and resources and cycles of time invested in this idea of anti-racism, just Google Brandeis University racism. It's pages. It's like, what the hell else do they do at this place? That's all there is. And the first link that comes up is called Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, you know, the DEI. That's obligatory across the institutional landscape these days. And it discusses systemic racism and what anti-racism is. And it is another one of those (laughs) situations, Rhino, where the entire document is uh, just one big example of grandiloquent language. Remember that? (laughs) That's the term that we are now using on the show to describe it. But I kid you not, it's just page after page of it. Uh It says, The Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion is dedicated to providing robust, thoughtful, and informed educational opportunities around issues of bias, prejudice, and marginalization. Uh, It's more of that (laughs) grand, eloquent stuff, in my view. And I, I can't. I read it and say, "What exactly is it saying?" You can't really figure it out. What What's the point here? What are they What are they trying to achieve? And that's what I. And there's this whole draft university anti-racism plan, and it's there are is it in an introduction, a proposal, and then appendixes A through K. How many do you need? I'm serious. <laughs> it's just one after another. And, of course, this was all drafted, I believe, and implemented last year.
3: And I'm says, pretty sure this was an assignment at least a year or two ago, and somebody, quote-unquote, went above and beyond, and then they just decided, well, let's let's see what we can run with with this.
4: It, it really is just bizarre. It's, it's that
3: long, with that many appendices. That sounds like somebody trying to make out a, a research paper and trying <laughs> to stretch it out to what is required.
4: <laughs> it's the I've, Rodney... got, I've got to have ten in the bibliography at
3: least, so, yeah.
4: It's the, it's the um, back-to-school Rodney Dangerfield. It's based on how much it weighs, right? The size of the weight of the document. But... When thinking this is from the document, when thinking about ways to address systemic racism, the Brandeis Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion suggests a process where campus leaders and community members foreground to foreground. Who uses that as a way to foreground? That's that's like they went and searched for something different in terms of a word to use. Two basic ideas. One, while preventing interpersonal racist encounters, is important to stop racist behaviors. Addressing, addressing systemic racism is primarily about attempting to address the impersonal effects of structural inequity within society and on campus. And number two, systems thinking will require an intentionally distinct focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion as separate areas for scrutiny and consideration. That's some of that grandiloquent stuff. I have no idea what all that means. I mean, what – what, uh, like, when you walk out of that, what – after studying that and participating in whatever that is, what action do you take at that point? It, can't we just accept that in God's eyes we're all
3: Do we have a chalkboard humans? around here? <laughs> we could write a diagram in that sentence.
4: <laughs> and, of course – It does have four bullet points. I'm not going to read them all. It will bore the heck out of everybody. It's more of that grandiloquent language stuff. But, of course, the primary, the top bullet point, law enforcement. We must undertake a process to completely reimagine, here we go again, policing at Brandeis, including the consideration of when, where, or whether officers would be armed on campus.
3: I got an idea. Just do away with security, security guards, security cameras, locks on dorm rooms. Just kumbaya
4: up there at the college. See what happens. (laughs) It's just crazy. I mean, I I just don't get it. Uh, Develop admissions and hiring goals across the university, including senior levels for the next five years, by major unit division or school. It's just it's just incredible. Look if racism is being practiced at this university, they got a problem and they need to fix it. I bet you it's not. I'm just gonna go out on a limb here. I bet you this is one of those places where you're likely not to find it being practiced yet they have invested all this time, all this money, all these cycles in this effort. I don't know what the outcome they're looking for is. Break time here on the JT Show. We're coming back. Coming up today, by the way, at eleven twenty, Russ Latino, president of Empower Mississippi. Stay with us, we'll be right back. <laughs>
7: Find new roads. For all your glass needs, call Venable Glass Services.
9: I'm Dr. Baker, an ER physician. If you're having leg pain, swelling, or redness, but haven't talked to your doctor yet, don't wait. This could be deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot which could travel to your lungs and lead to a pulmonary embolism, which could cause chest pain or discomfort or difficulty breathing and be deadly. Your symptoms could mean something serious, so don't wait. Talk to a doctor right away, by phone, online, or in person.
10: Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Here with a special
6: invitation to join us weekday morning six to nine. Breaking news, quick shots, analysis—all right here on Super Talk Jackson, ninety-seven point three. You're hearing the
0: JT Show with Gerard Gibbert
11: on Super Talk
0: Mississippi. They always
11: say what they want. They're open about their opinions. They're not afraid to say what they feel.
4: Obligatory Thundercats, here on TV Team Show Thursday. Rhino spinning those tunes right on cue. And don't forget, uh, tomorrow, we will be remote. The JT Show will be on On location. Yeah. For a statewide Memorial Day celebration at the Mississippi Armed Forces Museum. That's at Camp Shelby, down in South Mississippi. The Armed Forces Museum may be the best-kept secret in the state. An amazing facility that honors the service and sacrifice of the United States military. That's the JT Show on Super Talk Mississippi, live from Camp Shelby tomorrow. Looking forward to that. I understand from Alex we got quite the lineup. Going to hear from present active members of our military and National Guard. Should be a lot of fun. And I think the right way to pay tribute to those who've served their country in uniform, that's going to be some fun. Looking forward to that. Hope you'll tune in. Rhino will be back here holding down the fort in the Supertalk studios, and I'll be down at the museum. It's going to be pretty cool. All right, somebody said Southern Miss. I actually won their game 3 a.m. in the morning.
3: Yeah, wow. I don't remember what the score was, but I got up about 2 to get a a drink of water and check my phone to see if the Ole Miss game had finished. And Southern Miss game was still going at 2.
4: Man. Well, congrats I don't think it got started until
3: after midnight. So, yeah, that makes sense.
4: That is amazing. Totally they amazing. Had a,
3: if I'm not mistaken, they had a two-hour delay due to rain. And then the game that was delayed finished up. And the next game went into extra innings. And Southern Miss had the nightcap game. Right. Well, So if you were a baseball fan of the Magnolia State yesterday, I hope you had a nap.
4: Yeah, exactly. Because, see, <laughs> it's like 724. Baseball, right? Man, incredible. Congratulations to them, though. Uh, let's see. Michael the Mailman here. What is the racial makeup of Brandeis University? I'll bet it's the height of hypocrisy compared to Mississippi. Yeah, you know... He makes a good point. We talked about this yesterday, specifically in Portland, Oregon, which is considered the whitest city in the nation. And the crazy critical race theory indoctrination they have going on across the school districts, three major school districts in the Portland metro area, uh, Lindard, I think that's the, the correct pronunciation, Beaverton, and then the Portland school district, and yesterday, you remember the data we shared 50, what's 59,000, I think, total population. I think it's Beaverton. And a, and a total of 600 and change black people in the whole town. And so I just opined and theorized that they probably have some schools in the district that are 100% white, yet they have arguably the most intense CRT indoctrination program going. Even, And what they're doing is they're sowing discourse and hatred in our children at very young ages. And it's like this Brandeis University assistant dean who says, look, just get over it. If you're born as a white person based on your skin color, you are inherently racist. Get over it.
3: You're not the only one that finds that just deeply un-American. It's terrible. To, to, it, ba- to base your your ideology of someone else, to base your perception of someone else, to base how you treat someone else based on something they had no control over and how they were born reeks, to me, of the aristocracy that we tried to get rid of by forming a free country.
4: Exactly. I thought that was the whole... The
3: I mean, whole. under the aristocratic ideologies, you, you were born into certain parts of society and
4: you there was no upward mobility. Man, this stuff's going on everywhere, I'm telling you. There's a report yesterday that uh, I viewed... See if I can find it. Anyhow, it's about Lockheed. You know who those guys are? They make airplanes and stuff. But the, and they're a big contractor. A primary, their primary customer, the federal government. In fact, they are the nation's largest defense contractor. They required their white male executives to attend a three-day diversity training program aimed at. Here's one of those grandiloquent words deconstructing i could be just fine if i never heard dismantle deconstruct and reimagine in my life again it's right up there with new normal i'd be just cool with that they sent them to a program aimed at deconstructing
3: sent who (laughs) these are the executives of the company and they were sent to a three-day getaway probably included themselves so yeah. you got to go on vacation on the company dime for three days, and you called it training <laughs> under the guise point. of CRT. That's the way I'm seeing that one.
4: What do you want to bet? Every night after that, they had a few cocktails, a few times on titles. the card, oh, on the company exactly card, right? So <laughs> while they were sent away to deconstruct their white male culture. And encourage, I just where they went now. <laughs> and encourage them to atone for their white male privilege. Like, think about this: you're you're an executive at this this big prominent company. You've worked your rear off ostensibly to get to that point. You're just trying to make airplanes and stuff. And they say, no, 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 we got to send you away for three days so you'll understand just what an evil biased, racist person you are. Even if you don't think it, we're going to prove to you you are. And you're gonna just going to have to take it. And it was, uh, let's see, 13 Lockheed employees. It was, And of course, of course, as we've said, follow the money. It was a consulting firm, diversity consulting firm, White Men as Full Diversity Partners. That's the name of the firm. And they specialize in helping white males awaken together. That's what their service is. (laughs) These were all senior leaders in the company, including this individual called Aaron Huckabee, He's the Director of Global Supply Chain Operations and retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel David Starr. He's the Director of the Hercules C-130 Military Transport Program and other retired generals and officers from the U.S. military. That's typical for many of them to then join the ranks of of, uh, Lockheed and other defense contractors. But At the beginning of the program, these trainers that they're paying a gozillion dollars to led a free association exercise. What the hell is that? And they asked the Lockheed employees to list connotations of the term white men. Imagine you go to work and they say, hey, come over here for three days and give us your connotations of white men. The trainers wrote down Old, racist, privileged, anti-woman, angry, Aryan Nation, KKK, founding fathers, guns, guilty, and can't jump. (laughs) According to the participants, these perceptions have led to assumptions about white men and diversity. I hope
3: the can't jump at least
4: got a (laughs)
8: laugh.
4: That's why I laughed. (laughs) It's it's incredible. I mean, I can't even... I can't wrap my head around it. I just did
3: some digging. Apparently, they didn't get to go have my ties. It was all over Zoom.
4: Oh, okay. Okay. My bad. I got you. So, <laughs> looking at some of these other terms that these trainers consider rooted in white supremacy, how about this? Leadership? Work ethic? Good old boys networked? <laughs> Provider, don't listen, executive, independent, self-reliant, and guns. The old reliable guns. Oh, I got no chance. You know what else is on that list? Golf. (laughs) Conservative. I guess these idiots never heard of Tiger Woods or Lee Elder, Jim Thorpe. I promise you, the PGA Tour, they don't care what the heck your race is. You play golf, you're in. If you're good enough. If you're good enough. That's what I mean. If you can play golf good enough. Exactly. <laughs> How about this? NASCAR <laughs> power centers. Fathers. Fathers. It's racist to have a father in your life. Rich. Hard working. President. It's just unbelievable. We'll take a break right here. I ain't giving up on this. This is nuts, people. You need to know about it. We'll be right back on the JT show.
2: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, mostly sunny skies, high near 90 degrees. Tonight, partly cloudy, low around 71. 60% chance of showers and thunderstorms for Friday, high near 88. And for your Saturday, a 20% chance of showers, mostly sunny, high near 80 degrees. This weather forecast has been brought to you by our friends at RJ's Outboard Sales and Service at 1208 Old Fannin Road. RJ's Outboard Sales and Service, your Yamaha outboard dealer in Brandon.
12: garden mama here to ask what about your trees hmm everybody like me who has big trees in their landscape needs a tree service and mine is matthews tree service the metro area's oldest residential tree service they're licensed insured and ready to consult with you about damaged trees and healthy ones too listen to your mama now and call matthews for free estimates in the greater jackson metro area call 601-316-8584 matthews tree service 7711. I'm Andy Davis and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Secretary of State Michael Watson announced his office will not appeal the Supreme Court's ruling that initiative sixty-five was improperly placed on the ballot in November. The ruling impacts all initiatives which have been filed, but Watson said there is a simple fix.
14: To change the one fifth wording in the Constitution to per rata share per congressional district is the quickest fix. That way, you know, if we go back to five districts or if we got six or if we went down to three, it wouldn't matter because you would have a pro of the shares uh, of signatures in each of the districts.
12: Watson said a larger discussion is needed to possibly retool the entire initiative process. And before Initiative 65 was struck down by the Supreme Court, some municipalities were already expressing concerns about limitations on zoning. Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn.
8: I don't know how much they are against medical marijuana. They were, however, wanting the ability to control where the shops were set up. And under 65, they were handcuffed. I'm Andy Davis. Memorial Day. December 7th, 1941. A date which will live in infamy. A grateful nation will never forget those who
5: died that America might
0: live. Remembering and honoring those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. Super Talk, Mississippi. You can text The J.T. Show, 601-879-4395. That's 601-879-4395. Now, here's more with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi.
5: T
4: show Super Talk Mississippi Gerard and Rhino on this Friday Eve. You know. All right, got a few texts rolling in here on the uh, C Spire text line. This is totally against MLK's Dream speech, M and Myrtle. Yeah, I agree, and we've said that many times. We totally agree. I, I don't think that Martin Luther King, arguably the most prolific civil rights figure, certainly had more impact, I believe, than anybody else in the history of this country. I don't think he would approve of this stuff. I don't think he suggested, let's go take this this whole demographic of people and just stereotype and profile uh, them, which is what all this stuff's doing. It's, it's just crazy. And I think all it's doing is fomenting more hate, more division, more segregation, Really crazy. Uh, Joe South of Meridian says it sounds like racist gobbledygook. Oh, here's a term used in a company where I work: destructive creation. Oh, geez, more grandiloquent language.
3: <laughs> oh man! Unless you work in demolition, in which case destructive creation would be beneficial. <laughs> that's
4: right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I disagree with the get over it part of what you said by the way i didn't say it. I was just as rusty from Greenville repeating there there is a tape of one of these instructors and it's at a loy the Loyola prep school not to be confused with loyola university there's a loyola prep school it's a a, a very prestigious <clears throat> private i think k through twelve school in suburban chicago it's i want to say Saturday Night Live uh, actor, to comedic, comedic actor Bill Murray attended it, etc. But anyhow, they they are fully woke, and they had an instructor come in, and she's the one that said, "You're all racist. Get over it." Anyhow, the correct message is you owe to get over it. You need to be put put it behind you. You can't do that when you are constantly being beat over the head with it. That. Uh, from Rusty from Greenville. I, I agree, Rusty, that the more they continue to call attention to it, I think the more divisive it is. I think <clears throat> I just don't buy this idea that, that the majority of people in this country just see others that aren't like them as inferior. That, to me, is the essence of racism. I don't buy it. I, and I would argue, as I have many times before on the show, that we have more racial harmony in this state, in the state of Mississippi, than any other state. Because unlike Portland, we don't have a ninety-nine to one percent composition of our population. And yet they're the ones all entrenched in that stuff. So it's disturbing. There is a an article written recently in the The New York Times, believe it or not, about kind of an inside look at Joe Biden and his demeanor. And the title of the article is Beneath Joe Biden's Folksy Demeanor, A Short Fuse and an Obsession with Details. Folksy. He's so folksy. (laughs) And he says that uh, aides say he demands hours of debate from scores of policy experts. I just got this feeling that the majority of those experts are all pretty much on the same side of the ledger with respect to philosophy and ideology of government. And they say that quick decision-making is not his style. This is from the New York Times. His reputation as a plain-speaking politician hides a more complicated truth. Before making up his mind, the president demands hours of detail-laden debate from scores of experts, taking everyone around him on what some in the West Wing refer to as his Socratic journey, (laughs) before arriving at the conclusion. Unbelievable. (laughs) The writer goes on to say...
3: Journalists might want to wipe their nose.
4: Exactly. Uh, The writer goes on to say, he will often snap... He snaps. Uh, Anyhow, it says he has a short fuse. Obsessed with getting the details right. Heck, he never gets them right. Sometimes to a fault. Including when he angered allies and adversaries alike by repeatedly delaying a decision on whether or not to allow more refugees into the country. Hmm. How about that? They say he is unwilling or unable to skip this routine he has a a very dogmatic daily routine apparently he needs time to process the material so that he feels comfortable selling it to the public is he selling it
3: these are the very same people that were outraged over the amount of diet coke and ice cream donald trump was taking that's true
4: They say he arrives in the Oval Office for a series of scheduled meetings around 9.30 a.m. after exercising and making the short stroll from the residence, often flanked by his German Shepherds, Champ, and Major. One of them was sent away, right? <laughs> Detained in return. More sensitivity training. <laughs> oh, my God. then gosh. they brought in a cat.
3: You've got two dogs, one of which That's has had a right. problem with attacking, and then you bring in a cat. <laughs> it's about par for the course for the Democrat mind and their logic.
4: Unbelievable. He never erupts into fits of rage the way President Donald J. Trump did. Of course they've got to get that dig in there. And the current president rarely exhibits the smoldering anger of or sense of deep disappointment that advisers to Mr. Obama became familiar with. I bet he could raise some hell. <laughs> Uh, Several people familiar with the president's decision-making style said Biden was quick to cut off conversation. (laughs) You become (laughs) hyper-prepared, said Dylan Lowe, a former speechwriter for Mr. Biden. I've got to answer every conceivable question. That's because he doesn't know anything. Anyhow, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? The uh, this account and it's long. I mean, I'm not going to go through any more of it. It's just crazy long. This account of what a day in the life of the president is like. You still got to wonder where's he. We thought he was moderate. Remember, we were we were all told is moderate. We got to elect him because he's moderate and he knows how to reach out across the aisle and he can unite us and bring us together and all that hogwash. But yet, a recent poll of a thousand and three registered voters, Joe Biden on the issues. Now, this is this is true. This is that it's is a Fox News poll, but nonetheless, in December, forty-two percent said. On the issues, he was about right. This is a Fox News poll, registered voters. In December, that has declined to 36%, a 6% drop. 40% in December uh, said, uh, excuse me, 40% now say he's about right. 46% now say he's too liberal, 46%. So he went from 36% in December being too liberal, saying he's too liberal, to 46% now saying he's too liberal, a 10% drop in five months. 10%. Well, all it took is for him to get in office and start wielding the carnage of left-wing executive orders. Speaking of left-wing, are you folks worried about inflation? You been to the store lately? Stuff is expensive, more expensive. Is there anything you're seeing out there asking this of our audience where the price has gone down, or let's just say stay the same? I'm talking about general categories. Seems to me like the price of everything is up, inflation. Now, the Fed says not to worry, it's transitory. Transitory, by the way, when they say that word, they basically mean It's short-term, short-lived, temporary, not permanent. You think the price of stuff is going to go down after whatever this transitory period is? And one of the key drivers, it's now been revealed, no pun intended, drivers, can't get enough drivers to haul stuff around. And that is causing a problem. Have you noticed the shelves are a little less stocked? As a result, there are lots of things you just can't get. I know chlorine is one. You heard of it? Can't get chlorine to clean the pools. That's just one example. There are tons. Can't get cars. Can't get furniture. Just massive chip shortage. And there are idiots out there. Well, okay, we just build new factories and start making chips? Are you kidding me? Not only that, you can't get silicon. You know that's what they're made out of. Man. Peanuts bumping us out of this segment. We'll come right back. Don't forget, coming up at the top of the hour after uh, the news and another segment, Russ Latino, president of Empower Mississippi. Stay with us.
16: there is! Colony Bistro & Wine Bar just open right next door to Colony Wine Market in Madison. They have 32 wines by the glass, wine flights, and the food is terrific.
17: Yes! Get your purse, sweetie! I'm Rex Baker with Gateway Rescue Mission. People are angry these days, but you don't have to be. Let's get 2021 started right, because somebody out there needs your help. At Gateway Rescue Mission, your donation can provide a meal. Your prayer can unlock the power of God to change your life. If we spend more time praying and less time fussing, we can help some people. Go to GatewayMission.org, make a donation, and help change your life today.
10: With a single handshake, John Ravenstein buys millions in diamonds. And that's the buying power it takes to be Mississippi's direct diamond importer.
17: You see, we sell so many diamonds, the finest diamond cutters from around the world come to us.
11: He's got the million dollar handshake. I'm John. And I'm Rachel Ravenstein. That's why here at Juniker Jewelry, you'll shop from 10
17: times the loose diamonds you'll find in average jewelry stores. Because finding just the right diamond at the right price, the perfect diamond for her is what Juniker Jewelry is all about. Best
11: of all, we guarantee the lowest price in the state. We even have 12 months interest-free financing
17: for qualified buyers. So when you're ready, we're ready at Mississippi's Direct Diamond Importer. And I want to shake your hand. And make her the happiest girl in the world. Juniker Jewelry Company, Mississippi's Direct Diamond Importer. From anywhere in
0: Mississippi, we're at 1485 Highland Colony Parkway, just south of 463 in
18: Madison, and Juniker Jewelry, this is the opening agri market report. The open of the New York Cotton Exchange, July cotton was down 59 to 81.85. December cotton was down 51 to 82.72. The open of the Chicago Board of Trade, July soybeans were up 16 cents to 15.19.5 and a half per bushel. August soybeans were up 17 and a half to 14.70 and a half per bushel. July corn was up 23 and a quarter to 647 and three quarters per bushel. September corn was up 18 and three quarters to 566 per bushel. At the Mercantile, August live cattle was down a nickel to 11927. October live cattle was down 17 to 123.90. August feeders down 212 to 153.07. September feeders down 217 to 154.92. And at this the Dow Jones is up 201 points, 34,524. I'm Dixon Williams. That's the Super Talk, Mississippi Agri-News Network.
6: Farmers can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices, but they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence. Ingenia herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications, and it's straight from the dicamba experts, BASF. So make the confident choice for your soybean crop. Talk to your BASF rep or authorized retailer. Ingenia herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted-use pesticide. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Arm yourself with
0: everything you need to take on your day. Wake up with Gallo tomorrow on 97.3 FM, Super Talk Mississippi. Now, 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 back to the JT Show with Gerard Gibbert and Rhino.
10: Great news, everybody.
0: On Super Talk Mississippi.
10: Mississippi. (laughs) Mississippi. (laughs)
4: <laughs> that would, of course, be the great Dr. Smith from Lost in Space. <laughs> Remember, I had you look up one day. <laughs> a whole list of them on a wiki somewhere. <laughs> that was pretty dang creative, all that stuff. Bubba was always he hated the robot, <laughs> and the robot just had zero reaction to it. <laughs> Oh, my gosh, the robot's like a dog. It would protect. Even Dr. Smith frequently saved his life. From those bloodthirsty aliens when they were lost in space. <laughs> Never fear, Smith is here. <laughs> Silence you, ninny. <laughs> those were it was great. It was a great, great series. It didn't last very long because we were all so enthralled with space and space exploration. That was during that era, right? The sixties. Spare me your ponderous platitudes. You know, I, I told you before, he looks just like Harry Reid, <laughs> the old senator from Nevada.
3: <laughs> there is a more than passing resemblance.
4: <laughs> I used to call him Harry Dr. Smith from Lost in Space Reid. <laughs> he looks just like him. Really does. Man, he was uh, he was actually quite the accomplished actor, the guy who played. I don't know his, his real name, Dr. Smith, but <laughs> he, he was awesome. I... Uh, Enjoyed that show. That's that's a good one. So and he, he was,
3: you know, why can't Dr. we Dr. End- Smith was portrayed by Jonathan Harris.
4: But wasn't he like a Shakespearean or Broadway? I mean, he had some acting history beyond just that television
3: series. Yeah, he uh, supposedly got his start by doctoring up a fake resume at the age of 24, <laughs> and trying out for a traveling acting company and getting in.
4: How about that? Okay. Well, of course, what he was known for, the quotes, the writers, was alliteration, such as, you cantankerous, cold-hearted clump. (laughs) This is a great one. You clod-like collection of condensers. (laughs) Oh, man, it's so good. Andy and Jackson says, and that does not compute. That's right. That's what the robot used to do. He would be flailing his arms. That's not compute, compute. You deplorable dunderhead. You gotta have a little fun. says, you shouldn't have played it. You got me stuck on Doctor Smith now. <laughs> oh, geez. A lot of
3: fun. Apparently, he played the Bulmanian ambassador in a Get Smart episode titled How Green Was My Valet?
4: Didn't know that. I wonder if they had a conversation under the cone of silence. (laughs) Chief, we got to lower the cone of silence. (laughs) Oh, man. They don't make shows like that anymore, do they? Unfortunately. Look, that's why these MeTV and FETV and, and those channels that... Pretty much feature nothing but the old classic TV series. They're popular. They're good. Just good, wholesome entertainment without all the junk. I don't know. Without all the social messaging in it. Chris and Tubelo says routine referring to our president, Joe Biden, is very important for people with early dementia. Hmm. Huh. Didn't know that. You know, I don't want anybody it's
3: reassuring when you have mental lapses to have a routine to fall back on.
4: No, okay, I, I would. It also seems weird to me. It's it seems like a lack of confidence when you're to the point of badgering and pestering people, as the article uh, suggests. Those around you for details and information. It's it's I don't know. It looks like you're just unsure, and he does appear to be unsure. It's like when words come out of his mouth. He's just literally reading words and almost acting so as to give them some emphasis in delivery without really understanding the underlying meaning of what the heck he's saying. That's just my opinion, and that's my observation. Other I people mean, to may his credit, he's
3: been a politician for how many decades now, and he has built up quite the repertoire of political nonsense, time-filling words. Good point. Good point. He's got a lot of those two, three-second little sayings. He can just tag one after another after another. And eventually he gets lost in it, and it sounds like rambling. But for the first 15 seconds, it seems coherent.
4: It's uh, it's good, good uh, explanation, good description of it. I agree. Michael the Mailman here says, I'm actually old enough to remember the series June Lockhart. Hair never moved. June, of course, also is little Timmy's mother in the series Lassie. How come you never play that?
3: I got it in here somewhere.
4: We got it (laughs) somewhere, all right. Gary in the Berg says, defund the police candidate in Atlanta. Yeah, I saw this story too, Gary. has car stolen by four kids under 13. I I saw the headline, didn't read the article. Gary says we got to read it to see what he says about it. All right, we'll try to get to that when we come back.
19: I'm Chris Foster. Senate Republicans have made their counteroffer to President Biden's infrastructure spending plan.
12: The proposal comes with strings attached, including leaving the corporate tax rate in the 2017 tax cuts alone. Republican Senator Pat Toomey.
17: What makes them think we want to undo the tax reform (laughs) that gave us the best economy of my lifetime?
12: Republicans are proposing funding some of the plan with $700 billion left over from coronavirus relief legislation. The White House counters, there's not nearly that much left.
19: Fox's Rachel Sutherland, New Weekly Unemployment, claims are down again to another new low since the start of the coronavirus pandemic last march
12: there were 406,000 new claims for unemployment benefits a decline of 38,000 from the previous week continuing claims those still receiving benefits also declined to 3.64 million
19: fox's jenny costola the commerce department reports the economy grew at an annual rate of 6.4 percent in the first quarter of the year america's listening to fox News.
2: The best made to order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th and Gold Sports Cafe. Homestyle plates full of catfish, shrimp, and rib tips, just to name a few. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283.
8: Hi, I'm Dale Danks with the Danks Miller and Corey firm. Our office represents clients and businesses across Mississippi. If you need a lawyer you can trust and who will fight for you, don't compromise. Danks Miller and Corey online at danksmillercorey.com.
12: Two weeks ago this Friday, the Mississippi Supreme Court ruled that Initiative 65 was improperly placed on the ballot. Appearing on Supertalk Mississippi, Secretary of State Michael Watson said an appeal
14: will not be filed. We have kind of taken some old case law that the court has reviewed, as well as the idea that it's a 6-3 decision. You know, if it was a 5-4 decision, then perhaps who would uh, maybe make a different decision? But again, I think it would be a waste of, of time and money at this point to try to petition for a rehearing.
12: A bill Introduced by Congressman Trent Kelly, would make no fee health care available to members of the Army Reserve and National Guard.
21: The bipartisan Health Care for Our Troops Act would provide coverage to more than 800 thousand Americans. As Kelly explained, that current policies prevent these men and women from having the same health care benefits as their active duty counterparts.
12: I'm Kelly Bennett.
13: Hello, this is Rosie the Skunk for Atmos Energy. You might think I make a bad smell. I mean, of course you do. Why wouldn't you? After all, I'm a skunk. But my stinky fragrance is nothing compared to the rotten egg smell of a gas leak because that could be dangerous. So if you think you smell a leak or encounter other signs such as hearing a hissing or blowing sound or seeing a vapor cloud, blowing dirt or bubbling water, do not smoke, talk on the phone, turn on or off equipment or vehicles or do anything that could cause a spark. Leave the area immediately. Then call 911 and Atmos Energy. Atmos Energy will send a trained technician to investigate the situation. Take it from a skunk. Gas leaks just plain stink. Seriously, there's no gray area here. When dealing with gas leaks, it's black and white. (laughs) Yep, that's a little skunk humor there. For more information, visit atmosenergy.com slash gas safety.
12: A murder-suicide in Brookhaven is under investigation. According to WLBT, Felicia and Elmore and Joseph Anthony Parker were driving when an argument began. Elmore tried to get out of the vehicle, but Parker opened fire and then shot himself. A section of Highway 49 in Hattiesburg has been dedicated to a civil rights pioneer. In the 2021 legislative session, a bill passed both the House and Senate, naming a portion of the highway the Clyde Kennard Memorial Highway. It begins at the intersection of Highway 49 and Hardy Street and extends one mile north. Kennard was instrumental in the desegregation of higher education in Mississippi. The Ole Miss women's golf team has brought a national championship back to the state with a 4-1 over Oklahoma State, the Rebels captured the school's first national championship since 1962 and the first women's national title in Ole Miss history. I'm Kelly Bennett.
9: Good things with me, Rebecca Turner. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour, weekdays from 2 to 3 p.m. Right here on Supertalk Jackson 97.3.
10: Who are you?
0: Welcome to Real Talk for real Mississippians.
13: Okay,
0: let's begin. Welcome to the JT Show with Gerard Gibbert.
4: everyone the JT Show, super talk Mississippi Gerard and Rhino in the super talk studios on this for Eve man yeah Randy says mr. Harris died November 3rd 2002 just three days before his 88th birthday he being the actor who portrayed dr Zachary Smith in the series lost in space one of the early sci-fi series. I think it started out black and white, and, and, and uh, color television was starting to become more mainstream and affordable at some point during the series, but really good. Dr. Smith was John Harris, that Gary and the gang in Gulfport. Appreciate that. Yep. Ken, great shows. I suggest on all ninety-three, uh, you at all 93.5 shows mentioned there is a safe, free prescription drop box in the lobby of Macomb City Police Station. No paperwork, walk in, drop like a mailbox. All right, got it. You know, this uh, being Memorial Day, as we, of course, pay our respects to those in the armed forces who made the ultimate sacrifice to preserve our freedom, freedoms, uh, i got to share just a, a quick story about one that is a little closer to home, and that would be my father-in-law, who did not die in service But I just wanted to – he did pass away several years ago. He was in the United States Navy, was a rear gunner on a torpedo bomber. If you're familiar with those little short, stocky torpedo bombers, they had a little turret you climbed into in the back with a machine gun, and that was, of course, to try to fend off uh, airborne attackers primarily, but he also – so – when I started dating my wife, I was fascinated, always have been, with military history, and in particular, World War II, my, my father having served proudly, and my brother in the Vietnam War. But uh, nonetheless, I, I wanted to learn more after my wife had shared that he had won the uh, Distinguished Flying Cross as a member of the Navy during World War II. And I wanted to know it was just more about this story that involved the sinking of the uh, Yamato. The Yamamoto. That's Y-A-M-A-T-O. I think the Admiral was Yamamoto. Maybe that's it. Yeah, I think the ship was... That's
3: right, the battleship Yamato and Admiral Yamamoto.
4: Yeah. But nonetheless, um, so Mr. Gill was uh, a member of the squadron that sank the so-called unsinkable Yamato. And many historians today... Theorized that had we not taken out that ship, it would have kept churning towards the mainland, and the outcome of the war would have been totally different. So this was pivotal. And if I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong about this, so don't hold me to it. It was it was uh, steaming towards Midway to join in that in that uh, conflict, that battle, and it was thought that if it arrived it would have been a different outcome anyhow i i got i managed to get mr gill to to talk about it one night even though my wife at the i was dating her at the time we were in college said he's not going to talk about it and i managed to get him to discuss it one night and it for those of you that are thinking maybe it was after he had a few drinks perish that thought the man didn't put a drop of alcohol in his mouth i'm telling you he, he just didn't – I just – I think he trusted. – I'd like to think he trusted me. I'd like to think that he thinks that – or he thought at the time that my interest was sincere. And so I got him to start talking about it one night. And, of course, I'm just fascinated. I mean, this is just living history. I would argue that I'm more appreciative of that now. You know, at the time, this was back in the mid-'70s. I don't know, and I was just a younger person. Today, I just, I don't know, my level of respect, let's just say, is intensified for what he went through, but nonetheless, he he told a story, in his words, where they had a misfire of the torpedo, and he said that was common, they were, these airplanes were new, and they just had mechanical problems, and it was common for just You'd be out in the middle, middle of the sea en route to wherever the the uh, the mission was, and they would go at the Yamato by the way every day and take pot shots at it. And I want to say that it had five layers of of uh, steel to comprise. Oh, it was
3: huge. It was their biggest one.
4: Yeah, and it was these five layers were thought to to make the ship virtually impenetrable and unsinkable, except uh, in the bow where it all came together, and so. He told me that they were out one day, and what they'd do is they'd go out, and they'd take pot shots, try to slow it down. And they'd also, he in the turret, they'd, they'd um, overfly some of the islands en route, which were which were loaded with snipers. And often these islands were those that would be inhabited as camp bases for uh, the uh, the sailors who would stop there, set up camp. Anyhow, the snipers were there waiting for it, right? So every day en route to the Yamato or other ships, They would fly low on the islands and spray the trees to try to rid them of the snipers. And you could tell that still kind of affected him, you know, emotionally having to do that. But he said that one day this this, uh, torpedo misfires. And the question was asked by the skipper to the crew, what do you want to do? He actually asked my father-in-law first. I'm looking at the the article, believe it or not. And he asked my father-in-law first. And said, what do you want to do? And he said, hey, you're the skipper. You make the call. And they said, let's keep going. And um, and so at the time that they came upon it, they noticed a big flume of, sm- of smoke coming from one of the stacks. And that would mean that there was an explosion in the engine room. And so the theory was that that misfired torpedo found the bow. Now, that would be divine intervention, in my view. It went right through there, and that's ultimately what caused it to sink. I think it had a crew of about 2,700, if I'm not mistaken, that all went down with that ship. And uh, Mr. Gill took photos of it. And I have those in my possession of that ship on fire as they left the area, departed the area. Just incredible. So... He, he told me that night, by the way, that when, when he weighed in with the skipper and said, it's up to you, he said he honestly thought he wasn't going to make it, that he expected we're going to do everything we can to try to take this ship out, but I, I'm, I'm pretty much concluding that I'm not going to get out of this thing alive. Now, I don't know how old he was, 19, 20, 21 years old, but it's a true story. And it's uh, told by somebody who was there, and I am blessed and privileged for him to be my father-in-law. He passed away about 10 years ago, and uh, and for him to share that story. Now, the medal, I'm sad to say, uh, was lost, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, it's about 20 years ago when he passed away. His Distinguished Flying Cross which, he, like, he kept all this stuff locked up. He didn't, he didn't want to boast about it. He didn't, he didn't want not it. it want. It's just the way it was. And I think a lot of those guys that came home from that, they just wanted to kind of forget it. We did our job. Let's get back. Let's get back to what we plan to do before we went off to serve our country, which is raise a family. And he said he even got interviewed as part of this thing. He said, I just want to go back and live the quiet life, you know, Biloxi, where he's from. But Katrina took out the house and the medal, and um, his discharge papers and so forth, and so uh, I have uh, requested and have some folks working on that to try to restore that for my wife's purpose. Uh, you know as her father. So anyhow, I just want to share that story. Thought the the uh, the listeners might enjoy that. But that's a Biloxi, a Biloxi boy, right here in Mississippi that was involved in the sinking of the so-called unsinkable Yamato. It had 22 feet of armor plating. It's what they were briefed on. So they never really thought about sinking it, rather slowing it down. That was kind of the object. But when they saw that thing go, the plumes of smoke as they came up, just like explode in front of them, they knew, well, where the heck did that come from? And they just surmised it had to be the runaway torpedo. Special generation, was it not... Of uh, people to which we should be so grateful, especially those who paid the ultimate sacrifice as we approach Memorial Day. Little digression there. I hope you enjoyed that. Andy and Jackson said you were presented with a unique opportunity. Thanks for sharing. Thank you very much, uh, Andy. You're right. I am, and just was. You can imagine, just through the years, just always marveled at that and what how incredible. How incredibly brave he and all frankly of our armed forces people are to go you know, right in the middle of battle like that and thinking I'm not gonna make it out alive. But I gotta do this. Incredible. Can't I can't fathom being put in that situation. But thank you, Charlie Gill, for your service. And all those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for sure we we'll are take a break right here. When we come back, our friend Russ Latino, president of Empower Mississippi, joins us in the studio. We're going to talk a little bit about the ballot initiative process and lots of other stuff. Stay with us, folks.
2: From the SeabrookPaint.com Weather Center, I'm Bob Sullender. For all your paint and coating needs, go to SeabrookPaint.com. Today, mostly sunny skies, high near 90 degrees. Tonight, partly cloudy, low around 71. 60% chance of showers and thunderstorms for Friday, high near 88. And for your Saturday, a 20% chance of showers, mostly sunny, high near 80 degrees. This weather brought to you by No-Drip Roofing and Construction. With rain coming, let us show you what the No-Drip difference is all about. No-Drip Roofing and Construction, online at NoDripMS.com.
6: more selection, more- Affordable payments and more for your trade. Pay only $1.99 per month on new 2021 Mitsubishi Mirage G4. We have the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross in stock right now. And come check out the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Plus, you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty from Ridgewood Mitsubishi. Think you can't get approved? Think again. Our credit specialists are standing by to get you approved today. Because 100% credit approval is our number one goal. And we'll give you top dollar for your old vehicle even if you don't buy a new one from us. So if you want more savings, more selection, more affordable payments, and more for your trade, then get to Ridgeland Mitsubishi, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. 1860 East County Dine Road. Call 896-9600 today or visit Mitsubishi.com. Remember, you're approved at credit.
8: This is Brent Calloway. Since 1954, Calloway's has been family-owned and operated. Located in Glutstadt, just south of Germantown High. Callaway's has everything you need to make your yard and garden beautiful. From trees, shrubs, and color plants to bulk soils for delivery and pickup. Callaway's has special pricing on outdoor patio furniture with all the new 2021 collections in stock and arriving. A farmer's market is open full of fresh fruits, vegetables, and local honey and the best tomatoes in town. Callaway's will have farm fresh produce seven days a week. Callaway's offers bulk soils for delivery and pickup. We also offer landscaping. Our designers, Clinton Streeter and Corey Castle, can design and install your landscape from a small job to a total transformation. Just give us a call to discuss your landscaping needs. Visit Callaway's and Glutstadt on Calhoun Station Parkway, south of Germantown High.
13: Callaway's is, Callaway's is, everything
18: for home and garden. That's what Callaway's is. Hi, this is Mark Shapley of M.M. Shapley Steakhouse. Richard
15: Cross be sure to catch Sports Talk Mississippi your new home for the best sports coverage right here in the Magnolia State every day from three until six right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3 you're hearing the JT show with Gerard Gibbert now here's more on Super Talk
0: Mississippi
4: I told you we have an all-hit request line here. Ask and you shall receive.
5: Hugh Riley.
17: John Provost, as Timmy. And, of course, Lassie.
4: Like how many Lassies were there? The actual dog. There were multiple, weren't there? I think, I think so.
3: Yeah. I mean, there were multiple shows. You yeah. Had the original multiple black versions. and white, yeah. and then you had the one that was in color, and yeah. then you had the... Didn't they try to redo it again in the 80s or 90s?
4: Yep. And we got to discussing that because June Lockhart played little Timmy's mother, and she, of course, also of Lost in Space fame. Lassie first, I think, and then Lost in Space. But we digress a little bit. Appreciate that, Rhino. Joining us now in the studio, Russ Latino, President in Power, Mississippi. Morning, Russ. Good morning. How are you, sir? Doing just fine today. As you know, we got Memorial Day coming up, so we've been talking a little bit about that. But uh, wanted to get uh, your thoughts on the recent Supreme Court decision. Uh, I think you'd be the fifth—a uh, lawyer we've had. <laughs> I'm opine on that. So you're not tired of talking about this issue yet, is what you're saying? Well, you know, we can talk on that for a second, and then we can pivot and talk about the Empower Policy Summit coming up and, and whatever else. But the first question I'm going to ask you is, do you think, as I have every other that I've interviewed on this matter, that the Supreme Court got this right? I do not believe that the Supreme Court got it right, and I'm, I'm
23: putting my lawyer hat on really right. to answer that question. I, I think effectively when you look at what was put into the Constitution in 1992, which is when the ballot measure, citizen-led ballot measure process was included in the Constitution, it's very clear to me that what was intended was for there to be a opportunity for citizens to put on the ballot a potential constitutional amendment. And that the authors of that process, uh, as imperfect as they may have been, did not envision that it would be a limited-time opportunity, you know, bye-bye-bye now. It was quite clear that what they intended was to create a process that would endure as long as the Mississippi Constitution uh, endured. And so we know exactly what they intended to do, uh, and we know exactly how that was understood for 20-plus years even after the redistricting occurred. Uh, where we saw multiple uh, ballot measures be considered. We saw the legislature actually put forward alternatives to ballot measures, which they're allowed to do under that process in the Constitution. So that shows you that the legislature believed that it was an operative provision. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the end result is a weird result where you effectively invalidated an entire section of the Constitution, and there's a whole body of law, something called canons of construction, uh, that stand for the principle that you really shouldn't do that, right? You should You should interpret a a provision in law, in this case a constitutional provision, in a way – Uh, to to render it operative if possible and i think if you have an an originalist point of view which is sort of the scalia judicial philosophy it'd be very easily to come to come away and say it was quite clear they intended to allow this uh this process to unfold in a way that citizens would have the ability to amend the constitution we understood it that way and that in some ways it cuts against original intent to to rule the way they did that being said I am not one of these people that is up in arms with the court, because I think it was a close question of law. And I think very, very highly of Josiah Coleman, who is the justice that wrote this opinion. Uh, I endorsed him when he was running uh, this last election cycle, and I would endorse him again today, because for me it's not personal. I just think the ruling is one that probably cuts against originalism in a way that if
4: I had been on the court, I would have been uncomfortable doing. All right. Well, so that is a dissenting opinion with the other <laughs> lawyers that we had on the show. But look, that's what the courts are for, is to sort out these complex, thorny issues like that. And and we as citizens, uh, we are bound to uh, abide by them, I guess, or, or I should just say, <laughs> take the consequences. In this case, it invalidated the Mer- Medical Marijuana Initiative 65, which passed overwhelmingly at the ballot box.
23: Yeah, and, you know, truthfully, I, I disconnect it from the the ballot measure itself. I know a lot of politicians don't, right? There are a lot Agreed. of people who are politically motivated either to support or kill medical marijuana. I think what the court was looking at is, you know, is the process itself one that's operative? I would have come down on it differently. But the real, you know, the real consequence of it is not just medical marijuana. The real consequence of it is, effectively, that we no longer have the ability. Right. It is mathematically you, impossible yeah. Uh, to now put a ballot measure forward, and you know people have sort of hemmed and hawed around the periphery on this question. But we've got two parts of our constitution that were added to our constitution under the same process, and so if if it is not valid, if it is mathematically impossible uh, to use that that section of the constitution, then we've got two two pieces of our constitution right now that are invalid, and at some point will face some challenge and be unenforceable.
4: Yeah, and I and I just also want to say that we've we've suggested on the show many times that before the court was not the matter of medical marijuana as a concept or the the, uh, the initiative itself. What was before the court was the mechanism essentially by which the initiative got to the ballot and ultimately voted on and, and passed, at least from a ballot perspective. And the court can't consider beyond that, right? And that, I mean, that's not what the lawsuit was about. It didn't say, hey, having a medical marijuana program is unconstitutional. That's not what the well, th- Pretext of the lawsuit was. Th-
23: this is where I would probably uh, draw a distinction with you a little bit. Okay. And that I think you're right in terms of the court's motivation. The court has to look at it and say, do we think this provision in the Constitution is operative or not? Okay, But I would say the motivation of some of the litigants was absolutely oh, to, uh, no to, to destroy a medical no marijuana program that the people otherwise voted for.
4: Well, that kind of goes back to the intent of the ballot initiative process ver- versus the strict language and the, in the um, signature collection aspect of that, requirement of that. So, yeah, I, I agree. So the question is, what do you think they ought to do down there at the Capitol? What should the governor do? Should he call a special session to address both of these matters? We have what is right now essentially a dead ballot initiative process or not one that would, uh, I guess, stand the test of a court if somebody wanted to protest it with a lawsuit. And then we got the issue of the citizens seem to favor having a medical marijuana program in the state. So what I would tell you is, again, I would disconnect those two things for me
23: and and from sort of an organizational perspective. So we're not engaged on medical marijuana. I would say, like as an outside observer looking at it, that quite clearly a large percentage of the population decided that they wanted medical marijuana as a program. And I suspect that at some level the people that are serving in the legislature who recognize that they represent the will of those people in their districts are going to try and, and accommodate the will of the people yeah. uh, on that issue. I think the, the bigger question is what to do now that there is no initiative process. So I would almost view medical marijuana as a foregone conclusion in some form or fashion, and there will be lots of debate between stakeholders in that fight. We're not part of that. The bigger question is, do we give the people the ability to say, you know what, we actually disagree with what the legislature is doing, or we think the legislature is being inactive in a way that hurts the people, and so we want the ability to put something on the ballot. What What I would suggest is, one, we have a representative form of government, and so I think it, it is quite literally a Republican form of government, right, where we elect people to represent our interests. That is good, and and I don't think that we should – implement policies that that result in mob rule, where we become California, where every other day there's a new initiative to consider. I do think it makes some sense, and I think this is very clearly the will of the people in a popular uh, viewpoint, that there be some ability to to force an issue from the electorate. And so what I would suggest is, instead of a initiative process that amends the Constitution, You have an initiative process that effectively allows people to propose statute or policy. And and it's an important distinction – that a lot of listeners may not get. But the Constitution is really the rules of the game. It tells us what our rights are as citizens. It tells us the limits of government and the process of government. That's different than policymaking. And so one of the problems under the old ballot measure process was that we effectively were taking policy and sticking it in our Constitution. That's generally not a good idea because it doesn't allow for flexibility. What I would say here is if they're going to implement an initiative process, it should be an initiative process that allows for statutes Uh, to be enacted as a policy provision. Um, And so that would be the distinction that I would draw. And then I would say two other quick things, Gerard. One, it should be set up in a way that you cannot propose a a ballot measure that is contingent upon federal funding. So we shouldn't be able to say we're going to change the law and apply a higher standard of scrutiny from the public that is contingent upon what the federal government does, how they change funding formulas, whether or not they send money, because then we have given away, essentially, our representation. We have put into law something that is contingent upon something that folks we don't vote for decide in Washington, D.C. And so that would be one. The third would be that the burden to overturn it or to amend it should be much higher if people pass something like that into law.
4: You just answered the next question I had for you, which is should we have a higher threshold essentially that would uh, before the legislature could take hold of something passed at the ballot box by the people via direct democracy. And just say, oh, no, we don't like that. We're taking it out of here. Yeah, it
23: should be two-thirds or three-fourths right. or something that, that
4: increases the burden. I agree. we got a break right here. We'll come right back. We've got Russ Latino, president of Empower Mississippi, in the studio. Stay with us. Hey, Spider-Man.
13: In the chill of night, at the scene of a crime. Like a streak of night, he arrives just in time. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Action is his reward to him. Life is a great big day. Wherever there's a hang you'll find a Spider-Man.
8: Says I love you like diamonds. And after
11: the year we've all had, we're pulling the ones we love even closer, aren't we? Holding them a bit tighter.
17: At Juncker Jewelry Company, love is what we do,
11: and helping you tell her how amazing she really is, how you couldn't live without her—that's our passion.
17: We're Mississippi's direct diamond importer, with ten times the diamonds you'll see in average jewelry stores, and
11: the largest inventory of gorgeous diamond jewelry in the state—from engagement rings and wedding bands
17: to diamond pendants and tennis bracelets to
11: our legendary diamond stud earrings. We have
17: the perfect anniversary, birthday, or graduation gift for her at the guaranteed best prices in the state.
11: But maybe the the best reason of all is just because. Because you get to wake up next to her every day.
17: And that makes you the lucky one. Come experience the most trusted name
0: in jewelry for over 75 years now. Juniker Jewelry Company, Mississippi's direct diamond importer. 1485 Highland Colony Parkway, just south of 463
15: in Madison, and junikerjewelry.com.
12: Two weeks ago this Friday, the Mississippi Supreme Court ruled that Initiative 65 was improperly placed on the ballot appearing on Super Talk Mississippi. Secretary of State Michael Watson said an appeal will not be filed.
14: We have kind of taken some old case law that the court has reviewed, as well as the idea that it's a 6-3 decision. You know, If it was a 5-4 decision, then perhaps who would uh, maybe make a different decision? But again, I think it would be a waste of, of time and money at this point to try to petition for a rehearing.
12: A bill Introduced by Congressman Trent Kelly would make no-fee health care available to members of the Army Reserve and National Guard.
21: The bipartisan Health Care for Our Troops Act would provide coverage to more than 800,000 Americans, as Kelly explained that current policies prevent these men and women from having the same health care benefits as their active duty counterparts.
12: I'm Kelly Bennett.
0: This is The JT Show with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app and at supertalk.fm.
4: Darsky and Hutch, Ooh. an oldie but goodie there. Back on the JT Show, Super Top Mississippi, Gerard and Rhino on this. Friday E, Russ Latino, president of Empower Mississippi, in the studio, so... A a listener text in here, Russ, on the ceasefire text line. What surprises me the most is that our legislators thought lottery was important enough to have a special session, but they do not think giving people relief with medical marijuana is as important as the lottery. That from Karen and Ripley. First thing before I let Russ speak, Karen, just keep in mind that it is the governor and only the governor who can call a special session, and I think it has to be for an express purpose, right, Russ? So your your thoughts about... um, uh, Karen's comment here.
23: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's not the legislature that that determines whether or not a special session occurs. It is in fact the governor, and it is subject to a call, which is like a prompt, right? It's this is this is the issue that you are being called back to deal with. I, I know there are a lot of people who are demanding a special session, both to deal with the ballot measure problem that we now have. Uh, knowing that something that people thought was part of their constitutional rights no longer exists. Uh, and then I think the second part of it is obviously the question of, you know, 74% of the population, at least the population that wanted medical marijuana, chose Initiative 65. And so are you going to be responsive to the will of the people or not? I, I would say though, you know, to bear in mind that. Sometimes these things are not best rushed into and and i 'm not saying that to suggest there shouldn 't be a special session. I am saying it to suggest that uh, if you force someone 's hands quickly, sometimes you don 't end up with as thoughtful of a product as you might otherwise have, sure um, and so you know we should put an awful lot of thought into now that we exist in this new world where this right no longer exists it 's no longer operative, no longer available to us what does it look like for us to get this right so that we don't fall back into a similar problem years from now, Yeah, right? And so I think it warrants taking some time and and thinking it through and really getting it right. There are lots of good ideas floating around, um, but I'm I'm not adverse to the notion that you would take a little bit of time figuring this out.
4: Yeah, Uh, yeah, and, you know... It's also fair to say, even though you and I are both proponents and supporters of uh, tax reform, uh, specifically eliminating the income tax here in the state of Mississippi, that uh, folks over on the Senate side, when they got the bill, said we need some more time to get this right. And I don't know that that's a statement necessarily in opposition of reform as a concept as much as it is It just seems like they didn't feel like they had enough time to digest consume all those details.
23: There is zero doubt in my mind that delay is often used as a tactic to kill. I'm not suggesting that's what happened in the example that you pointed out. I do think something like eliminating the income tax is something you want to be thoughtful about as well. Sure, sure. But I I do not think this is an issue that if for some reason a special session is not called – it's not an issue that somehow is not going to come up in the 2022 session. Yeah, it just it, it is a big enough deal. There is enough energy and momentum behind it that it's not going away between now and January. If for some reason there wasn't a special session called, you're, and you're talking about
4: medical marijuana, right? Actually, yeah, well, both both, both medical okay. marijuana
23: yeah. and the question about what do we do with ballot the ballot initiative. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, my bad. And so, uh, of course, as we've said on the program before, the, to change the ballot initiative process requires going back to the ballot. Because we got to amend the Constitution. That's the only mechanism we have, which means the legislature would have to refer a measure to the ballot. And the next time that comes up from a statewide vote perspective is 2022, unless the legislature call for a special election. So lots of dynamics involved, as we say. But let's uh, uh, tell us about what's going on with the Empower Summit that's scheduled June 8th, I believe, right?
23: Yeah, so on June 8th, we are uh, pulling together. Uh, business leaders and lawmakers and folks that work uh in government and around government and uh you know trade associations and media and, and and the folks that are actively engaged in the process of policymaking and that includes some community leaders and citizens uh that are actively engaged in that process, really to have an idea summit. I mean it's it's called Unleash Mississippi, but the concept really is to talk about you know, an honest assessment of where we are as a state in education, work, and justice, and then to share ideas about ways that we can improve in each one of those areas to ultimately present a Mississippi that has more opportunity for more people, uh, to be in a position where every Mississippian believes that they have the potential to rise, to accomplish more. And, you know, the, the, the goal really with it is is to come away recognizing that there's plenty of opportunity for people, even if they have slightly different viewpoints, even if they see the world slightly different, to come away recognizing that there's opportunity for us to change the state of Mississippi uh, for the better and that we shouldn't let those disagreements get in the way of where there's common ground yeah and so that that's really the impetus behind it you know i think one of the things that uh, that grant and i uh, talk about all the time is the importance of there being a unifying vision for what we want in mississippi right and i feel like sometimes we get caught in the weeds of individual policies that make a difference but they're incremental but there's not that necessarily that sort of pounding drive to accomplish something big. And so that's why things like the elimination of the income tax, as an example, I don't know if we'll get there or not, but it's the kind of bold idea that we should be talking about as a state. Yeah. Because there's no way to continue playing small ball and go from 50th to the middle of the pack or near the top of the pack. We've got to think really boldly if we're going to do those things. And for that to happen, there's got to be multiple people out there sort of setting a goalpost that says, this is what we're running towards. Yeah. Um, and we want to facilitate that. So that's really what this event is about.
4: Lots of good stuff. Lots of, of stories, Russ, floating around about uh, loss of our, our younger population that are exiting the state, looking for greener pastures, if you will. What, what do we need to do to retain our best and brightest? We've got great universities that are churning out fantastically skilled graduates every single year. What do we do?
23: I think a lot of young people – and it, first of all, it's accurate. If you look at the, the data – I've heard people try and discount the data, but if you look at the data, Mississippi is one of, what, three states that's lost population over the last decade, and the, it would be far worse if not for the fact that we have people who are retirees that are moving into Mississippi because Very of low true. cost of living. Yep. So from an economic standpoint, what you want is a vibrant class of you know 20 to 55-year-olds who are producing – who are growing the economy, who are creating jobs, and the reality is that class is shrinking in Mississippi at the same time that the class of people who have earned their retirement are moving into the state of Mississippi. Economically, it's a bad recipe. So I think, you know, we've talked to a lot of different young people. They give different perspectives on why they don't view Mississippi as an opportunity-rich state. I think for a lot of them, they feel like it's a good old boy system, right? They feel like it's the kind of place where if you know the right people, you're going to be comfortable. If you came up in the right setting, you're going to be comfortable. Uh, but for lots of folks, you know, it's really hard to get an edge. It's really hard for your talent to to be used in a way that ultimately you succeed because it doesn't feel like an opportunity-rich environment, and so the question is, How do you create an environment where people feel like, you know what, if I invest my life here 30 years from now, I'm not going to look back and say, boy, was that a mistake. I should have moved to Austin or Dallas or Nashville or Atlanta. Um, And we're never going to, I shouldn't say never, at the outset, we're not going to be able to compete with those places. I think what we've got to show is that there is serious intent to really grow the economy in a way where those kinds of opportunities will follow. It's one of the reasons that we're excited about the idea of eliminating the income tax, because if you look at what's happening in a state like Texas and a state like Tennessee with no income tax, is that has become the kind of environment where capital invests. And when capital starts to invest, when people with money start to say, you know what, there's, a re- there's an incentive for me to put it in this state, the end result is that cool things follow. So culture actually, in this case, followed capital. Nashville's a great example of this, the way it's boomed. We've got to have that kind of growth mindset. I think the other thing that we've got to recognize is that like, we've got to get to a point where we can have conversations with people who see the world differently and not ostracize those people. And I think for a lot of young people, their values look very different than previous generations' values. That doesn't mean they're right. But it means they want a seat at the table. And we've got to have the kind of culture that allows them to have that seat at the table for purposes of the debate. And a lot of folks point to that. It's like... I just don't feel like, like my values are welcomed in Mississippi. I
4: agree with you. And I, I think we have had a habit of dismissing them to a great extent. And they they do feel ostracized, and thus they exit. And I think we got to do a better job of, uh, I guess, catering. to That, does, that doesn't mean change your, your basic underlying foundational philosophy, but at least recognizing it, as you put it, giving them a seat at the table. I, I think it's critical uh, in its... Golly, I just think about all this money we invest in all these great universities. We turn out these graduates and then they exit we're not we're not really getting a good return on the deployment of that capital, as you put it, so to speak there's's uh, got to be a different approach i think and hopefully, our folks in the legislature and our state leaders are tuning into this and I think it's important, just as you've said, though, Russ, to sit down and have these direct conversations with those who've made those decisions. Tell us what's going on there. Otherwise, you're just dreaming what the problem is. There's The Twilight Zone music is playing in the background <laughs> right now. I don't know what to make of that, Gerard. <laughs> that's because one of our listeners said that's what they feel like we're in right now. No, nah, it's good stuff. Appreciate you coming in, Russ. Good conversation, and I look forward to seeing you guys on the 8th at the Summit. And,
23: and happy Memorial Day, uh, and, and certainly honor those who paid the ultimate sacrifice
4: so that we could live in the country we live
23: in. So Amen. continue talking about that.
4: Amen. Russ Latino, President of Empower Mississippi has been our guest. We'll come right back. Don't forget at 1205, Dr. Anita Henderson from the Pediatric Clinic in the Hattiesburg area. Stay with us folks. We'll be
5: right back. Here's Uncle Cy.
13: What's the biggest bug you've ever seen in your life?
5: Well, that would be me and a bunch of soldiers when we was in Vietnam fighting the war. We run into a herd of Oriental cockroaches, and they all weighed about 30 pounds. We actually had a firefight with them for about two hours. They were trying to overrun us. If you want the real story about pest control, call Havard Pest Control Incorporated, the professional bug exterminator. The
10: name the trust for over 65 years, and had best control, the difference is-
0: at Havard Pest Control, their number one goal is customer satisfaction. Havard understands that everyone's pest control needs are different. That's why they offer a wide variety of services to protect your home against all kinds of pest and termite invasions. When it
2: comes to keeping your home and family safe against all kinds of pests, trust Havard. Havard pest control. Visit HavardPest.com or call 601-936-0309. 601-936-0309. Ben Nelson Golf and Outdoor is now offering easy-go units with maintenance-free elite lithium battery and an unprecedented eight-year
6: warranty with unbeatable energy efficiency. Only at Ben Nelson Golf and Outdoor. Exit 114
8: in Gleickstead or online at binnelson.com. Hi, this is Dale Danks with Danks, Miller & Corey. With more than 100 years of combined experience, we have the expertise to handle even the most complicated matters. When you need a lawyer to fight for you, don't compromise. Contact us online at DanksMillerCorey.com.
2: It's a madness sale. We're back on the lot. The deals are astounding.
8: Really? Stop the
2: noise. Quality vehicles, affordable prices, Pinnacle Motors. It's what they're all about. Come see Steve Owen and the friendly staff and find a quality pre-owned vehicle with financing available and a warranty. Pinnacle Motors, on Highway 463 in Brandon at the corner of Baker Lane and Vine Street. Online at PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. Quality vehicles, affordable prices, Pinnacle Motors.
18: This is a midday agri-market report. There are three states with 2021 spray rules that restrict the use of dicamba herbicides beyond the federal labels of over-the-top herbicides, Extendimax, Eugenia, and Tavium. Arkansas is one of them. The state's plant board, back on May the 4th, voted to approve the new DeCampo rules that permitted in-season use of herbicides through June the 30th for cotton and soybeans, a big change from the state's 2020 rule, which halted all use after May 25th. Now there are two lawsuits that have upended that process and the judge's temporary restraining order has flipped the state back to the 2020 rule with its May 25th cutoff, which was this past Tuesday. The first lawsuit was brought by a group of farmers and environments. The second one was brought by ozark mountain poultry and a group called freedom to farm both lawsuits are challenging the newly passed decamba rule i'm dixon williams and this is super talk mississippi agri news network
10: free up your time with steel you can spend less time working on your yard and more time doing the things you love Not sold at Lowe's or The Home Depot. Steel is only available through our 10,000 local steel dealers. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. Lowe's and The Home Depot are trademarks of their respective companies. Get big league performance in your backyard with steel battery tools. From mowers to trimmers, our AK Homeowner Series starts at just $199.99. Steel is not sold at Lowe's or the Home Depot. Pick up at over 10,000 local dealers. Real Steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. All prices MSRP. Available for participating dealers. Lowe's and the Home Depot are trademarks of their respective companies.
22: This is Ben Shapiro
19: reminding you to listen to The Ben Shapiro Show weekday nights starting at 9 p.m. here on 97.3 Super Talk Jackson.
0: The JT Show with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi.
17: Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition at the greatest earthquake ever known.
4: Welcome back, everyone, to JT Show, Super Talk Mississippi. Thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate Russ Latino coming in and uh, giving his his thoughts on uh, stuff going on there with respect to the ballot initiative and also... Just what I think is a major issue in the state, which is retaining our, our young uh, talent and, and just really increasing our number of knowledge workers and knowledge-based industries. I think that's critical to our long-term uh, prosperity and welfare. Lots of text in about a uh, little, little story I told about my father-in-law, Charlie Gill. Didn't James Arnes get wounded on the beach in Normandy? I seem to recall a story about that, that from Ronnie Prentice. I uh, honestly can't remember. Thank you for sharing, Gerard. That from Tammy from Boonville. It's it's my pleasure and honor and uh, to do so, and uh, all the... I mean, all the my love and respect for my father-in-law, Charlie Gill, and uh, for his service to our great country. Uh, love the story of Mr. Gill. This is from Toby in Burns, Mississippi. Respect of all that generation. My grandmother's brother was a tail gunner in the Navy. He told us when the war was over he left California on a motorcycle in his Navy uniform with no money, and the gas stations on the way home would give him the gas to get back home. America was great. Pray for our country now. That's a great story, Toby. Appreciate that. Tim McCorn, this was interesting. He said, most people do not know it, but in the 80s and 90s, we got to see an American hero on film. Uh, Pat, how do you say his last name? Marici? Marita, um, Marita, Marita. Excuse me, gave us a rare glimpse of his unit's exploits in World War II when he got to see the servicing members of his unit receive the Presidential Unit Citation in the next Karate Kid. The Medal of Honor displayed through the films was actually his. I hmm. think that's an urban legend because he was.
3: Let's see, he was born in '32, and I'm pretty that's sure he up. spent World War II in one of the internment camps. Hmm. Interesting, because he was he was born with a a spinal defect and had to have surgery right. on his spine when he I was like ten that. or eleven. Okay. But uh, yeah, he was interned with his family at the Gilla River Camp Relocation
4: okay. Center. Alright. So yeah, he didn't serve in World War Two. And I seem to recall from the movie the, was it the second, the next Karate Kid? I don't know. Yeah, what it was a, the
3: one in the 90s with uh, with What's-Her-Face in it.
4: Is that not when they returned to what was his home country um, for the actor, that is? Uh, in Saipan, right? They went back to Saipan, as I recall. Isn't that right?
3: I think You're, that was the, the Karate Kid with um, Will Smith's son and Jackie Chan all right i think the next karate kid was about the girl that was getting bullied at school and her dad or her granddad had been a student of mr miyagi and had taught her karate and then she did something i think she ran away from the bullies but was trespassing or something and got in trouble with the cops and got suspended and on that suspension, I remember they went to a Buddhist temple, but I don't think they went back to the country. I
4: think there were scenes. One of the, one of the series, I, I'm pretty sure there were scenes where they were in country, and I want to say it was Saipan. I, well, anyhow, look that up. We'll see. But uh, Brandon from Corinth about the initiative says, if the initiative wouldn't hadn't passed like it did, we wouldn't even be talking about the actual initiative process. Uh, perhaps. I'm not really sure if that's true, but that's interesting uh, speculation on that. Uh, Land of the Lost. We got that for you, Jay, from the res. I believe Rhino accommodated. Uh, Let's see. What do you think about the percentage of support would be if the second initiative wasn't put on the ballot to confuse voters? Matt from Savannah, Tennessee. It's kind of like telling your kids maybe later. I don't know. Honestly, I I hesitate to speculate. I, I, I still believe very strongly and confidently that the majority of the voting public or the adult population in this state supports some form of medical marijuana program. I just don't think we're a lot unlike the other, what, we looked it up yesterday, 37 states that have put something in place. So, uh yeah, from what
3: I can tell, there are only two states out of all 50 that completely ban anything and everything to do with marijuana. Two states. Only two states. And, you know... The rest of them have something to do with at least CBD oil for seizures Uh-oh. with pediatrics okay. or the medical use of marijuana, or some of them have recreational.
4: Yep. Yeah. Uh, Thomas and Greenwood, who seems to be an advocate of direct democracy, totally, does Russ think that the Speaker and Lieutenant Governor have the ability to effectively single-handedly kill any legislation as a root cause of the issue of the ballot initiative process? As it stands... If either of them kill a bill, the only remedy is the governor calling a special session. Nope. The remedy is to go to the ballot box and vote for somebody that supports your your views. And if you lose in that respect, well, then you're in the minority of uh, uh, voters. That's just kind of how the system works. So they should do it for free because they should have already taken care of it. <laughs> that is Jerry in Waynesboro referring to The pay, of course, they receive when they go back into a special session. Anyhow, we got a break right here. It is the top of the hour. When we come back, we've got Dr. Anita Henderson from the Pediatric Clinic in Hattiesburg. We'll talk about the safety of vaccines for children per the new CDC guidelines. Stay with us.
19: I'm Chris Foster. Senate Republicans counteroffer to President Biden's infrastructure spending plan works out to about a trillion dollars in spending by moving some money around. They're far apart on what to pay for and how.
24: West Virginia Republican Moore Capito says after weeks of talks with the White House.
13: The big
12: question is the scope.
24: The Republican plan proposes repurposing billions of unspent
19: COVID relief dollars. The White House insists that money is not available. Fox's Jared Halpern. A Senate vote is expected today on whether to debate a bill setting up a commission to look into the January 6th riot at the Capitol.
12: Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says Republicans are worried the commission will hurt them politically.
17: I hope our Republican colleagues rise to the occasion.
12: Republican Leader Mitch McConnell opposes the panel, describing it as a purely political exercise. Some moderate Republicans, including Susan Collins of Maine and Mitt Romney of Utah, support the bill.
19: Fox's Rachel Sutherland. America's listening to Fox News.
2: It's anniversary savings all week long, celebrating 150 years at Gattis McLaurin Mercantile, downtown Bolton, since 1871. Stop in Thursday, May 27th, as the Makita Tool Truck will be here to show all the great things Makita Tools can do. This week, get the Makita Grease Gun for 199.99, dollars 99 the LXT Brushless Blower for only $249.99, and the LXT Brushless String Trimmer for $189. It's anniversary savings all week long, celebrating 150 years at Gattis McLaurin Mercantile, downtown Bolton, since 1871.
20: Typically, we here at Keep Mississippi Beautiful like to share positive news with you, but not today. Litter is on the rise in our state, and we need your help. Please put trash in its proper place and make sure you aren't accidentally littering items from the back of your truck. Protect the road, secure your load, because trash blows. Do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org.
12: A labor shortage and disruptions in the supply chain continue to affect businesses across the state, including the auto industry. John McKay, president of the Mississippi Manufacturers Association, says any product that
1: utilizes technology requires chips that are in short supply. Obviously, there was some shutdown effects in Asia mainly is where these chips are manufactured. Uh, So there was kind of a bottleneck coming out of the, the worst parts of the pandemic. Uh, well, then there was a, a surge in demand with autos and appliances and all these things. When people were stuck at home and they were remodeling, they were buying all these products. A national manufacturer alerted consumers
12: in March that their prices would increase in June. The Kimberly-Clark Corporation said the increases are necessary to help offset significant commodity cost inflation. The percentage increases are in the mid to high single digits, and nearly all of the increases will impact the company's baby and child care, adult care, and Scott
1: Learn more at trustmark.com slash business. This is professional ball player Jake Mangum. I know what it's like to live, eat, breathe, and play in Mississippi. And no other insurance company competes on my level like Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance. I love my home team at Farm Bureau because they get me and they get what I need. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. To all the folks in the Capital City metro area, love to have you
6: join me tomorrow morning, 6 to 9, Gallo Show. We'll start your day the informed way. Super Talk Mississippi 97.3.
0: Welcome to Real Talk for Real Mississippians. Let's do this. Welcome to the J.T. Show with Gerard Gibbert on Supertalk Mississippi, the Supertalk app, and at supertalk.fm. And now, here's Gerard Gibbert.
4: Welcome back, everyone. to JT Show Super Talk, Mississippi. Several of our audience texted in about uh, it's *Karate Kid* too, and that's when Mr. Miyagi returned to uh, Okinawa. And so, John from Osaka, Josh, New Albany, Boyd in Lumberton, Wayne and Brandon. Let's see, Jacob from uh, Columbus all wrote in. Appreciate that, uh, folks, that it was – I knew it was something to that effect. I said Saipan. Saipan, I think, pretty close to Okinawa, if I'm not mistaken. Islands over there. My father was on both during World War II. He was a helmsman during uh, the war, and uh, he was piloted uh, destroyers and light cruisers. Kind of what his duty was as a member of the Coast Guard. So uh, this is from Karen and Ripley. Gerard, uh, for your information, I have a 19-year-old at my house with five or six friends in and out all the time. They have all let me know they will not be staying in Mississippi due mainly to how our legislatures are running our state. If they cannot correct problems that already exist, they are going to be slow going forward on other things they've already proved. What what specific problems and what states are they moving to, Karen, that, where they find that their legislatures and their state governments are more aligned with their views and positions? i just just curious. Got, I mean, it's got to be some sort of policy matter here. Is that... Is it because they want to go to Florida, Texas, Tennessee, where they don't have to pay income taxes, for example? Is that a sway in that respect? Uh, What would that be? I had – let's see if I can find it here. There, let's see. I'm looking for it. Someone wrote in about um, that they had an employee that I think, if I read it right, was – yeah here we go had an amazing employee who decided to leave after two years in mississippi i begged her to stay but she said she refused to stay in a state where the majority of people and politicians in the state treated her and her wife as sinners and passed laws that directly hurt her family they had an adopted daughter interesting story on the c spire text line there so uh let's see there you know There was uh, someone else that wrote in, was not, uh, here we go, Linda from Laurel says, about doing away with the state income tax. If they raise the sales tax to compensate for that, it will put more burdens on the older population that do not pay state income tax. We will be paying more in sales tax. We'll address that after uh, the uh, segment here. We've now got Dr. Anita Henderson. On the line with us, Anita is the pediatric, uh, with the Pediatric Clinic in Hattiesburg Clinic, Forest General Hospital, also president of the Mississippi Chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Good afternoon, uh, Dr. Henderson. How are you today?
25: I'm Great. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate the opportunity.
4: You bet. Really appreciate you joining us today. The uh, CDC recently has uh, revised its guidelines with respect to vaccinations of children, and I think now it is encouraged and considered safe for children, I believe, the age of 12 and up, if I'm not mistaken, below that age. Uh, no guidance yet or certainly no, I guess, approval from the CDC and recommendation that they be vaccinated. I mean, you're in the business of, of treating children. You're, you're obviously skilled in this, uh, this realm. Your thoughts about that, what would you tell a, a parent who's considering vaccinating their child above the age of 12?
25: That's right. So two weeks ago, the CDC and the ACIP, which is the advisory committee for immunization practices, along with the FDA approved the Pfizer vaccine down to the age of 12. So that is the one that is approved for children ages 12 and up. And over the last two weeks, we have been giving that vaccine here in Hattiesburg and throughout the state to children age 12 and up. And so what we've seen is a lot of interest from our parents, particularly our parents of children who may have some chronic conditions our patients who might be diabetic or have asthma or other issues that cause um, them to be immunocompromised. They're really excited about getting vaccinated. And my clinic, the pediatric clinic, which is part of Hattiesburg Clinic, actually started this morning, Hmm. giving Pfizer vaccine to kids age 12 and up. And so we started that today. The main Hattiesburg Clinic has a, um, in conjunction with Forest General Hospital, has a health works committee, a health works clinic that's been giving the Pfizer vaccine for the last two weeks. And we've seen a lot of interest from our parents And I will say that some of our kids are excited about it. Some of our teenagers are coming in and they have heard their friends get it. They heard in the classroom someone got their shot and they're like, you know what, I wanna go get my shot because I want to go to summer camp. I want to play football with my teammates and not be worried about getting coronavirus or transmitting coronavirus or, being quarantined this summer or this fall. So I'm really, really proud of a lot of our adolescents who are stepping up, getting vaccinated, talking to their friends about the benefits of getting vaccinated. So we're on board and some of our kids are on board, um, and so we're ready to get our kids vaccinated.
4: Have you heard, I I know this hasn't been going on but for a while, but have there been any reports uh, certainly, I guess within your patient community, or even maybe nationally, of adverse reactions from uh, a younger population that, that folks should be concerned of, or at least aware of.
25: Mm-hmm. The vaccines all are um, followed, and there is a reporting system. If there are any adverse events, there's several reporting systems. Actually, there's VAERS, mm-hmm. which is a vaccine adverse event reporting system that a patient can voluntarily send in that information. There's also v and that is a link that if you get your coronavirus vaccine, you'll get that information. You can log in on your phone. They send you updates every day, um, then weekly, so you can report um, any sort of side effects that you might have. And when I got my shot, I signed up for that vSafe and I got um, questions each day and then each week and then monthly to report adverse events. So the things that we are seeing in our adolescents are a lot of what we're seeing in the adults, which happens to be a sore arm, sometimes some chills and fever in those first few days. And we definitely know that that second dose, um, you tend to have some side effects more commonly than the first dose. You may have a little more fever, a little more aches and pains, chills and nausea. It's about three times more common with that second dose compared
4: with that first dose. Yeah, and that that was my experience. I had arm soreness uh, with the first dose. Of the second dose, I had the same. But I was uh, just a tad dizzy for about four or five hours, and, and that was really about it, n- nothing else. And, and I've talked to lots of uh, folks, just my friends in my orbit, about it as well. And the only one I know that had any sort of, uh, I guess, more serious conditions as a reaction Happens to be a physician, here, <laughs> nose and throat doctor, mm-hmm. uh, but you know it's twenty four hours and gone. So uh, right. I it, we, it appears, based on reports, that nationally we have achieved about fifty percent, I think, full immunization. Most of the, of the reports uh, and, and uh, analyses from physicians, Doctor Henderson suggests that we need to get to the seventy percent level in order to achieve so-called herd immunity and, I guess, kind of check the box and say this thing is licked. Do you think we're going to get there, and do you agree uh, with that assessment?
25: I do think that, um, and I hope that eventually we will get there. Nationally, we're at about 50%. Mississippi is at about um, 30 to 35%. Yeah. Um, full immunization in adults. Right. Now that we are allowing kids down to the age of 12 to get vaccinated, that's adding a whole nother, um, group to get vaccinated. So I, I'm hopeful that we get enough to get that community immunity, um, or that herd immunity. Um, but we've got a lot of work to do. We've got to educate the public on the reasons that our kids need to get vaccinated. I mean, yeah. We talked a lot about adults this last year and a lot about the elderly and the reasons why they should get vaccinated. So I think they were very much on board in the beginning. Yeah. So the kids, the adolescents, tend to not have significant coronavirus compared to adults. But we have had four children um, die of the multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children Mm. in Mississippi.
4: Gotcha.
25: So that's four kids. Um, and now we have a way to prevent that, and so we just want parents to understand. Even though kids may be milder in terms of sim- symptoms, they still can get sick. And there are about sixty plus who were hospitalized with that multi-system inflammatory. Gotcha. Appreciate syndrome. you coming on. I'm sorry, Dr. Henderson, we got
4: we got a break. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much.
24: Yeah.
20: Bridge Bridge Builders.
6: With a special invitation to join us weekday morning six to nine, breaking news, quick shots, analysis—all right here on Super Talk Jackson, ninety-seven point three. This is the JT Show
0: with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi.
4: welcome back everyone the jt show super talk mississippi dr anita henderson continues with us as our guest had a couple more questions for you dr henderson thanks for staying on through the break Uh, first there have been some recent reports about uh, myocarditis in teens after having received the vaccine your thoughts about that
25: That's right. So um, in the last week, they have um, reported a few cases of myocarditis, which is basically an inflammation of the muscle of the heart. Um, Myocarditis is pretty common in a number of different viruses like the flu virus, um, some adenoviruses. So we will see myocarditis and even in coronavirus, we see myocarditis. So what they have noticed is a few cases, a couple dozen across the country in teenagers after the coronavirus vaccine. What they don't know yet and what they're looking at is whether this number is the baseline number that we would normally see throughout the country this time of year or whether it's an increased number. Yeah. Um, this time of year, like I said, we see a lot of viruses. and In fact, in our clinic, we're seeing more sickness right now than we have. All winter, Mm, really. Um, We're seeing colds. We're seeing RSV, croup, hand, foot, mouth. Our the pediatric clinics all over the state are full right now.
4: And what do you attribute that that to? What do you you attribute that to, Doctor Henderson?
25: We, you know, this winter, everyone was washing their hands. Everyone was wearing their masks. Everyone was staying home when they were sick. Yeah. And really, over the last couple of weeks, everyone's gotten out and about and is. They're doing everything, so we really have been slammed in our clinics with coughs and colds and fevers. So the the point of that is we need to see whether the baseline myocarditis rate this time of year with in those that are unvaccinated is the same as sure. what we're seeing in the vaccinated. Sure, so that's what they're studying right now. And both of my kids have been vaccinated. Um, I have no no problem. I have no concerns about the safety of it. Um, So both of my kids have been vaccinated. I'd encourage families to go on and get their children vaccinated, but it is something we're looking at right now, that myocarditis situation.
4: One of our uh, members of our audience, Dr. Henderson, asks are um, are you asking any of your patients, such as a child, uh, which would be, of course, your patient community, if they have had COVID, and if so, are you testing them for the antibodies?
25: What the recommendation is for from the CDC as far as if you've had COVID, are you talking about if you've had COVID to get the shots or and get vaccinated, or are you just talking about if you've had COVID?
4: Well, I think there is some, uh, I guess, some controversy about that, that if you've had it, how long do the antibodies last? And if so, and if they last for uh, endure for a long period of time, does it make sense to get vaccinated? And there was a report that I caught uh, late last night, uh, a study from the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis. It was published May 24th in the journal Nature. And they took bone marrow samples from 18 of 77 participants, and they measured them for... Uh, antibodies. I'm not sure what the relevance is of that, but they're suggesting that um, antibodies may endure for uh, perhaps even up to lifelong protection against the virus and that the standard methods of testing for antibodies may not show that, even those who had mild cases.
25: That's right. That that study came out of Nature, and it was looking at how long you would have immunity yeah. if you had COVID. Okay. And so we really didn't know, but, but it looks like it might be longer than what we thought. However, we just don't know. Right. So I would encourage people to go on and get vaccinated. The other thing that study showed was that if you had COVID, and you got vaccinated, you got an even bigger boost in your immune system. Yeah. And so um, one of my children had COVID back in, in March of last year, the antibodies disappeared in her blood within four months. So she got vaccinated this past spring. Hmm. So. We just don't know how long those antibodies are going to last, but that is an interesting study that just came out in Nature. So you're up on your information. Well,
4: I expect, well, trying to be a little prepared for you today, but I I expect there will be uh, even more such studies, I'm sure, being conducted. Because I think, as you've said, the science is is so called evolving uh, at this point on this. We, We just don't have enough information to make any just empirical conclusions. This is one that seems to kind of ad- advance that ball and give us more information, make us more informed. I gotta believe there's several more going on as well. Is that is that the case?
25: That's right. They're they're looking at um, a whole range of studies to see how long immunity lasts, what the reaction is from immunity after vaccinations. Um, just what the long-term risks of having COVID are going to be. We're we're seeing a lot of long-term complications in adults and children. So that's why, you know, I'm a pediatrician. I'm all about preventive medicine. I want to prevent the problem before it happens. And so vaccines and vaccinating our adolescents, that's, for me, a way to prevent these long-term complications from coronavirus. I got
4: you. Well... Well, uh, Dr. Henderson, I appreciate you staying on through the break and uh, answering those couple of questions. It's been very informative. Uh, You have a great Memorial Day weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.
25: Thank you so much, and y'all have a great weekend as well.
4: Thank you. Dr. Anita Henderson has been our guest here on the JT Show talking about uh, vaccinations. Uh, Dave from Ripley wants to know, what age group of kids are we talking about? The CDC, Dave, just recently approved vaccinations for those over the age of 12. I think Rhino is still doing clinical trials on the ages below that. And so when they revised the guidance to lower that to 12, that was as a result of clinical trials to determine that it's safe and effective. So kind of easing into it, uh, as they should, in my opinion. Now, I know there are some that may just not Respect the CDC's guidance. Look, I've I've been critical as well, mainly on the way they vacillated, and and the way they've been kind of late. I think in uh, some of their guidance, which just seems to me fairly obvious. Now, I understand it's got to go through the bureaucracy that is the CDC, and I have uh, been roundly critical of of Dr. Fauci in in his just vacillation and deviation from one day to the next from things he says previously. That just lack of consistency, I think, is a problem. I don't think there's any question about that. And I think it's it's what causes credibility to uh, be diluted, and, and that causes a problem for people trying to make decisions. But nonetheless, uh, interesting, though, Rhino, Dr. Henderson talking about all the all the clinics the children's clinics just being slammed you wouldn't have thought that here in the end of may but here's something else you've seen some of the i would say that could be
3: attributed to the same time around like start of the school year when you see an uptick in cuz you got to think about it everything's opened back up and even some of the more cautious parents are saying hey let my kids go to the park and play let my kids go over here and do this so you have kids that are interacting in ways they haven't for a year, yeah, and they're getting together in numbers that they haven't in a year. So it, it makes sense you'd see common cold and stuff like that spread pretty quick.
4: And there are some clinicians who say that by keeping them isolated, and and thus not exposing them to all the germs, that it kind of slows down their systems and, and maybe even hinder their systems from developing this natural immunity uh, in in a. Um, antibodies in their system I guess if you will that are designed to fend off those you build them up by negotiating them and uh, contracting and exposing yourself and so that's also considered a negative result consequence of the lockdowns and the isolation which I still think are going to go down as the dumbest policy move uh, in the history of public policy but in in the um, let's Talk a little bit more about the upcoming Memorial Day. A great story here uh, from, let's see who this is, uh, J- Jason from Jasper County. also had a great uncle in Loosedale, H.N. Eubanks. He served in the Battle of Iwo Jima, 36 hours of fierce combat. He turned 100 last year on May 11th. Unfortunately, wasn't able to have a big celebration because of the virus and sadly passed away in November there was a printed article about him online on the on the Today in Mississippi website. It's very interesting. That's incredible. Appreciate you sharing that story there, Jason, and God bless him and thank him for his service. So, ask her about the flu. I haven't heard anything on that this year. She just explained it. People were isolated, not washing their hands. And, uh, you know, around each other, not around others as much. And therefore, there wasn't as much spread. And now it looks like it's taking hold, just as Rhino said. People are getting back at it. So she she actually did address that. She's proving my point about being a guinea pig right there, Terry's upholstery. No, nah, I disagree. I, look, it's your choice. You don't want it, don't do it. Simple as that. And I don't think anybody's doing it. The 150 million that have been vaccinated. I wouldn't call them guinea pigs. I don't know how many worldwide. It's big. We got a break right here. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
26: This is House Call for Health. A study out this month by Tufts University finds most people are mostly eating poorly, except those eating at school. They looked at the diets of 40,000 adults and 21,000 children between 2003 and 2018. 65% of adult meals and 80% of kids' restaurant meals were of poor nutritional quality. Entertainment venues and food trucks, a little less with 44 and 52%. Schools, however, topped the chart with only 24% of meals eaten by kids being of poor. Poor quality. The author of the study says schools are the healthiest place Americans are eating, that the findings are very timely because of widespread school closures due to coronavirus, which results in substantial nutritional harms for millions of kids who haven't been receiving meals at school, and that also disproportionately affects low-income black and Latino children. The study was published in JAMA Network Open. For more health news, go to foxnewshealth.com. House Call for Health, I'm Lisa Brady, Fox News.
12: Ten breakthrough cases of the South African variant have been identified in association with outbreaks at Mississippi long-term care facilities. While
21: a majority of the cases showed minimal symptoms, two individuals required hospitalization and one died. A total of 12 cases of the more infectious strain have now been identified in Mississippi. Additionally, three cases of the Indian variant have been confirmed in Mississippi, and at least two are directly associated with travelers from India and Nepal.
12: Vicksburg Mayor George Flagg shared his thoughts on some
8: hot-button issues with us. I would be more concerned about fixing uh, the referendum Mm -hmm. than I would be about medical marijuana if I were there.
12: He was a state legislator when the initiative process was passed, but didn't support it.
8: I believe that a power should not concede power. I'm Kelly Bennett
0: Thousands of Bulldog fans have subscribed to the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Have you? On each episode, Brian Haydad and Joel Coleman give you an inside look at your Mississippi State Bulldogs. The Thunder and Lightning podcast is free and available on demand at supertalk.fm and on your smartphone. Just search for Thunder and Lightning on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thunder and Lightning from Supertalk, Mississippi, covering the Bulldogs like no one else. I'm back. I told you I was coming back. This is the JT Show with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi.
8: Someone. speed racer <laughs> that's
3: awesome the, the bad, bad dubbing on that is still it's, hilarious <laughs>
4: that's right uh and he, you know it it is you may be i can see it too. <laughs> We're back at the JT Show, Super Top Mississippi.
3: I'll never forget the episode of Speed Racer where there's somebody out ahead of them that's like, they got to win the race to to save their sister and pay the hospital bills. And Speed's like, nope, I'm going to (laughs) win.
4: That's right. Dumbing it. (laughs) Well, some really creative creative, uh, composition there, wasn't it? Oh, man. I I kind of have, when I was a kid, watched a little bit of that. I like Space Ghost. That was one of my favorites. It was actually good. It had little little good plots to it and stuff. And the theme song was pretty good, too. We might have to dig that one up. You played it before, I think.
3: Oh, yeah, we got the Space Ghost theme in here.
4: Yeah. Linda from Laurel says, about doing away with the state income tax, if they raise the sales tax to compensate for that, it will put more burdens on the older population that do not pay state income tax. We will be paying more in sales tax. Uh, here you, Linda, it's, uh, I think you'll find it to be a very nominal amount. And I think the question would be, are you willing to absorb what probably is about 100 bucks a year, maybe? And if you'd prov- provide your, your data, I'd be glad to run it through my model, But because uh, keep in mind lots of what you spend your money on is not subject to sales tax. Your mortgage, rent, power, gas, insurance, as an example, those are not food. The price of that would go down uh, under the plan. So the, the question is, what can we do to keep our young talent here and to attract more and I, I think it's, I think it's uh, very fair to say most of those young people aren't worried about, at that point in their life, what their income tax burden is going to be when they retire. I understand retired people are. I, I fully get that. But, um, you know, we want everybody that wants to move to Mississippi to move to Mississippi. I don't care what age they are. But the fact is we might be receiving some inbound – Retired folks, because of that that uh, exemption from income tax from their retirement income, but we're losing the young folks, the working population, the people who actually p- pay the income taxes. The folks that wh- whose income isn't uh, subject to income tax, such as uh, that being the retired people, they're not really uh, paying the burden as it stands. That's just a fact. It's the working people that are not retired who are earning standard wages and and other forms of income, they are the ones that are shouldering the the revenue burden for the state of Mississippi. So I don't think that's a 100 percent cure-all. I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, I do think that is the case. It certainly levels the playing
3: field with the surrounding states.
4: Yeah, it it can. Yeah, that's right. And it it no longer is an argument that could be made by those that are seeking to exit uh, the state. As one of our listeners texted in earlier about their their both their children are leaving, but I never really got an explanation of what policies they don't like and what it is specifically about. Uh, I may have missed it. Our state government that is causing them to seek. Um, their residents in other states because of, I guess, because of their state governments and their policies. I'd be curious to know that. And like I said with uh, Russ Latino, I think it's critical that those making our laws have these conversations with people are, that are leaving. And you can, I think there's, there are orchestrated and structured ways of doing that. Have those conversations. Why, why did you leave? Why are you leaving? All you got to do is go to our college campuses. Just go talk to all those that are sort of planning their, their post-college life? Do you plan to stay or leave? And if you, based on that decision, what's driving it? What's driving your decision to exit the state? Uh, I'd be curious to, to know that. I, I think until we hear that, we're, we're going to have, I, I think until we hear that, we can't be informed enough to make proper policy. Uh, Gary and the Berg wrote in something that we've talked about on the program before, Rhino, and, I, and we totally um, support, which is this problem of fatherless homes. Now, that I don't think is playing into why we are not retaining our best talent graduating from college. I don't know that that's an issue. I mean, it, you, you could say that that's kind of dragging down our our state overall, and maybe that if it weren't that more of our graduates would stay. And it's not just graduates now. I'm not just, just thinking in terms of college graduates here. I'm just talking about young folks that are seeking to, to take up their lives and raise their families here in the state and, and uh, assimilate into our society and buy stuff and pay taxes. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Whether it's sales tax or income tax or property tax, doesn't matter. Uh, all that uh, is, is uh, used to hopefully make our state better. He says, I just passed a small lake earlier, and Mama Goose, along with Father Goose, were swimming and protecting their five little ones. Perhaps we humans can learn from them, if at all possible. Two responsible parents are the answer to most of society's problems that plague our state and our nation. I I agree with you. But yet few politicians will make this a major issue, almost like none. You can't say it. You get your head chopped off. You're immediately considered of racists or whatever all the other istas and isms are, what would Mississippi look like if the out of wedlock out out of wedlock births were under twenty five percent for all races? And I want to say it's it's like forty percent last time I looked at it. I think it has declined slightly, and I but also believe that the number of fatherless homes in the state homes with a child. Uh, We topped the list at 45 percent last time I looked at it. You see anything updated on that, Rhino? Um, He says, what's the plan, the sustained effort to get this going? We have to try as to capitulate and do nothing will affect our kids and grandkids for a long time. Talk about talk without a plan of action to remedy the problem is totally futile. Why can't Mississippi lead the nation in the reduction of births to single mothers? Out of wedlock burst of course. Our government officials need to answer this question. Yeah, I, I think, uh, what can government do? What would you like to see them do, Gary? I do think we need to have the conversation, and I think that that's a conversation that needs to be had uh, in the schools, in the churches, with, um, with those leaders, with spiritual leaders as well. Uh, and certainly in the schools, it need, it's a discussion that needs to be had. But I also need, I, I believe, it, it, there needs to be a little bit of shaming, frankly, and, um, and, and a bit of fear instilled in young people that this really isn't the way to go. This, this causes bad outcomes. That's just fact. That is just statistical fact. If you were born uh, out of wedlock, your chances of growing up to being a productive citizen are, are way down relative to one that isn't. That's not to say that it's not possible uh, to sort of defy those odds. Absolutely it is. You know about those coming from single-parent homes all the time that turn out to be great productive citizens. But statistically, they don't. The statistically, the probability is that they will not, that they will end up in some sort of, of trouble and, uh, and just not realize their full, fullest potential as a productive citizen in our country. So I'm, I'm totally with you, though, Gary. I think it is, is key and core. But it just seems like in our society we laud, we praise, we almost worship the, uh, the sort of non-mainstream two-parent family, nuclear family approach. What's well, BLM, right, that denounces it? That is It's a cornerstone of Marxism to try to break through the nuclear family because Marxism, it seeks for the government, uh, for everybody, the government to be the overseer and for everybody to be totally dependent upon the government and not to be part of a nuclear family where you sort of depend on other members of your family for your uh, your well-being. So I, I agree.
3: I was just looking for the... The granular data from the census, but I don't think they've released all of that just yet. The most recent I've got is a five-year estimate from 2014 to 2018. That is, 43.7% of all Mississippi children live in single-parent households.
4: Okay. I said 45. So I'm one3 And And la- I think the last time I checked, it was like five years ago when I was doing some writing on it, did some research. So, yeah, that's almost half. Almost half. I want to say, Rhino, we may top the list among the 50 states. If not, we're dang close. And and so if folks that truly do care about this state, and, and I do, and I know that our listeners do, our great audience does as well, I, I'll make this statement. I'm tired of being at the top of the list and everything bad and at the bottom of the list and everything good. i just put it that way. we got to fix it.
3: Uh, as of 2018, by state, Louisiana is the only ahead of us with 11.67% of households led by a single mother, with Mississippi at 11.3%.
4: Okay, there you go.
3: Number three is New Mexico at 9.69%.
4: Well, none of that's good, in my opinion. And I, But look, deep societal changes have got to come, and they've got to come from leaders that uh, I think can get through, can have a breakthrough conversation. Final segment coming up after this break. The Muppets bumping us out. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: No matter where you go.
26: This is House Call for Health. A Florida nurse is released from the hospital following a 111-day stay battling coronavirus. Kristen Kay had experienced multiple organ failures and had to be hooked up to a ventilator. She's had, I think, 75 nurses, 15 different respiratory therapists, 20-plus different doctors... And a couple dozen different support staff and therapists, and they're all just amazing. Her husband, Steven, says they've been through pretty much every emotion possible. There were times where we didn't know if she was going to make it, and uh, just, this place has, in a weird way, become home, and the staff here, and they... they She's a miracle, and, and they saved her life. She's now in a long-term care facility for an undetermined amount of time to continue recovery, but there she'll have more access to her family and friends. For more health news, go to foxnewshealth.com. House Call for Health, I'm Lisa Brady, Fox News.
24: Fox on Tech. Apple wants to clarify just how the newly announced AirTag is supposed to be used. The AirTags are similar to Tile, a small device you can put on your keychain or in your wallet so you can quickly find them if they go missing with the help of an app. AirTag can also be added to your remote, your luggage, or your wallet, but not your child or pet. In an interview with Fast Company, an Apple representative said the AirTag is designed to track items, not people or pets, suggesting an Apple Watch with family setup is best for your children. For pets, there are a variety of devices that can attach to collars that can track your four-legged family members via GPS and cellular networks. AirTags make use of Apple's Find My network, which uses almost a billion Apple devices for location tracking. And should someone attempt to track you with an AirTag, you'll get an alert that an AirTag was quote found moving with you, and you'll be able to disable it. AirTags sell for thirty bucks for one, a hundred bucks for four. With Fox on Tech, Brett Larson, Fox News.
0: Place of America's music. This is Super Talk Mississippi, streaming live 24 7 at supertalk.fm. The switches are thrown,
6: the signals are given.
0: This is the JT show with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi.
4: That same sound, of course, for the gun shooting the lasers. It was used in all of them. (laughs) But only Space
3: Ghost had the wrist-mounted lasers.
4: That's true. He did, didn't he? Yeah. He had a cool uh, little uniform, too, you know. It's kind of neat. Did you ever watch the
3: the reboot, the Space Ghost Coast-to-Coast talk show? I don't think so. They used all the old Hanna-Barbera animation and put them on a set and then had this TV where they would pre-record interviews with celebrities and then have Space Ghost
4: play off of it. That is awesome.
3: I've got some old DVDs that I have to bring to you sometime.
4: <laughs> well, I thought it was a great show. It was one of my favorites. I liked Underdog, too. we got to play that one. That's got a good theme song. Very creative. Was that a Hanna-Barbera cartoon as well, Underdog? The Hanna, Hanna-Barbera, they were something, weren't they? They had uh, they had a lot of good ones. I mean, good grief. And now you got a whole network dedicated to it. Didn't Turner buy all that?
3: Oh, yeah. Ted Turner bought all of the, the old Hanna-Barbera back in the early 90s, I want to say, maybe late 80s. Okay. And was sitting on something like half or more than half of all the cartoons ever made. And that's how you got Cartoon Network.
4: Yeah. It's cool, isn't it? So he's got that, Turner Classic Movies. Don't agree with his politics, and his nor his wife's, but it's a pretty dang good entrepreneur. I remember.
3: Underdog was on the NBC network until 66, with the rest of the run on CBS under the primary sponsorship of General Mills.
4: Okay. I do remember that. And, but was it a Hanna-Barbera production?
3: Mm, it was, was it, created huh? by Total
4: Television. Okay. Different. That... Yeah, it kind of didn't fit the mold, if you think about it. It's sort of their, their sort of common character themes and and style, I guess. A little different. But it was cool.
3: Same company known for Tennessee Tuxedo and His Tails. How don't remember, yeah. Uh, the Sing-Along Family, the Go-Go Gophers, King Leonardo and His Short Subjects.
4: <laughs> wow. Cocoa Puffs commercials from the 60s. I do remember that. Absolutely. Uh, you saw this story about this Atlanta councilman, Antonio Brown? He's one of these defund the police kooks. He had his car stolen in broad daylight. Antonio Brown. And he I think he's now running for mayor, if I'm not mistaken, but he voted last year to support an ordinance. That would withhold seventy-three million dollars from the budget of the Atlanta Police Department. It, it was by, by the way, it was narrowly defeated. Was that that uh, resolution? Anyhow, he said. Uh, let's see that the thieves jumped in his vehicle Wednesday after he got out to speak with community leader Ben Norman. He reported that. He noted his white Mercedes-Benz Coupe. Why is it always these people have white Mercedes-Benz Coupes and, you know, $100,000 vehicles that talk about income inequality? It's just You can't be serious. So he said it has a keyless push-to-start ignition, and he failed to realize it had been started. said one kid was in the driver's seat. He attempted to open the door to get him out of the car. Um, That is one thing
3: to remember if you've got the the push-button start where you keep your keys in the pocket. Yeah. If you crank it and get out, it'll ding at you, but it'll still drive. That's right. So it it can easily be stolen. They just can't turn it off.
4: Yeah. uh, (laughs) He said that he tried to get them out. He held onto the car in an attempt to stop them and was dragged about a block down the road before he let go. Mm. He says, uh, as he started to speed up, and I knew that if I had not let go, I knew I probably could have killed myself because he was going so fast. I would have started to tumble and I would have hurt him, the councilman said. He said he does not plan on filing charges against the kids who, he says, acted out of desperation. Of course. What
3: kind of kid desperately needs a Mercedes?
4: He says this is a generational poverty issue. Well, if they were rich, they wouldn't have stolen his car. So they saw fit to steal a car to correct that generational poverty issue. And he's condoning it.
3: I still have problems with the use of the word desperation.
4: Desperation. That's what he said. There ain't nobody in desperate need of a Mercedes. I agree. Why aren't they in school, he asks. Why aren't we enforcing systems to ensure that if they are not in school, they're in recreational centers? (laughs) What a goof. By the way, he's under indictment on federal fraud charges related to alleged incidents that occurred in the years prior to him winning the council seat. We are out of time here on the JT show today. Don't forget, we'll be remote tomorrow at Camp Shelby. Stay safe. God bless everyone.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi Ah! Media Production.